This episode of Pop Culture Affidavit is brought to you by The Human Fund. Money for people. Pop Culture Affidavit, episode 93, Festivus 2018. Welcome to episode 93 of Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries, and this is the third annual episode devoted to one of the greatest and most important holidays ever invented, Festivus. Now, if you're interested in a detailed examination of the origins of Festivus, go back to episode 70 from 2016. Uh, but... What I'm going to do here, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background on, on the holiday, at least the Cliff's Notes version, starting with Seinfeld's own Frank Costanza explaining how it came about. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that... A new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. That must have been some kind of doll. She was. Festivus takes place on December 23rd and has two specific traditions. The airing of grievances, wherein we gather everyone around to tell them how they have disappointed us in the previous year. Followed by the Festivus feats of strength. Now, I don't exactly invite someone on to tell him or her how they've disappointed me. And <laughs> that might take too long. <laughs> yeah, it would. And we don't wrestle on Skype, but I do have a couple of Festivus traditions. My guest and I are going to each talk about two things in popular culture this past year that have proven frustrating or otherwise annoying. Uh, then we're going to perform a comic book feat of strength by reading and reviewing a really bad 90s comic. In 2016, Michael Bailey was my co-host, and on episode 83 in 2017, I had Professor Allen. This time around, I have someone who's been a guest on the show, both on Skype and in person. In fact, he was on the show a couple of episodes ago when we were covering the Baltimore Comic Con. Please welcome Stella's favorite co-host and <laughs> one of the founders of the Fire & Water Podcast Network, my good friend, Shag. Well, finally, finally, we have a worthwhile co-host for the Festivus episode. I'm yes. my goodness, those two other guys, those were crackpots. Well, favors had to be, you know, like I had promised favors, and 
It's okay. You can just call in. it blackmail. It's yeah, fine. It's just, just call it what it is. <laughs> you know how it goes. Oh, I know. That's why they've both been on my show a couple times. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really looking forward to this. I uh, was excited about it. You told me all about the thing, uh, about how you did your festivist stuff, and I was studying up on it and the traditions. And then it got to, um, you know, really collecting all this. And I thought, wait a minute. So let me think about this. You know, it, Tom. Tom knows me. Tom mm-hmm. knows me. You guys might now, but Tom does. Uh, my mantra that I live by uh, in my personal life and in my professional comic book career, if you if you want to call it that, comic book commentating career, whatever, is find your joy. That's what I find to make me happy is just focusing on things that make me happy. So what am I here to do today? Basically bitch and complain and read terrible comic books. So this is exactly the opposite of everything I live for, and I'm really looking forward to it. I got stuff I need to purge, man. I am looking forward to this, Tom. Thank you. Oh, this is this is easier than I thought. Here I thought here I thought I was basically gonna be palpatine in the throne room in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Give in to your anger. Take your father's place at my side. You know? I like to think of you more with a, you want, want this. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's more this moment. Yeah, exactly. it, did, it, would, it didn't take uh, much for me to, to turn to the dark side. Of this. <laughs> it's been a rough year. It's, it's, it's been a, it, oh God, it's not, it hasn't even been like, you know, we've had worse years, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no years. 2017, but it's no. been bad anyway. But it's just been, yeah, um, to the point where, um, like, I almost feel burned out <laughs> in some way or another. It's just like, you know, I'm, I'm at least, at least we got an infinite, uh, an Avengers trailer. Yeah, earlier this week. We got that like, at the end. That was nice. End game, um, and uh, and the Captain Marvel trailer. So there's stuff to look forward to. But I was like, oh, jeez, it has been a, uh, it's been a, a tough year to get through it sometimes. So. Well, I, I pulling back the curtain a bit as as Tom, as you know, folks, you're listening to this, you know, towards the end of December. We're recording it a little bit earlier, and, I, and I'm not trying to break the spell, but come on, be realistic. We didn't record this the same day it came out. Oh, come on, we're going to do this live. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, talking about things to actually look forward to it, between now and by the time this comes out, Aquaman comes out, man. Yes, that's Big right. Budget Aquaman movie. Yes. How exciting is that? I never thought I would live to see this. I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and it's coming out right over, right as I go on um, on winter break and everything. So uh, perfect, perfect. We should be able to go. We should be able to go see it. It's been. It has been kind of nice between um, that and then the prior years, some Star Wars movies and stuff coming out. Um, having some big tentpole Christmas movie, Christmas blockbuster uh, to to see over winter break. As opposed to, you know, the usual Oscar bait and that sort of stuff. Right, so, right. So well, I love that we're recording this now, and people are going to hear it after Aquaman's come out. <laughs> Two really days after this, Aquaman's come out, yeah. I really hope this isn't like a Phantom Menace moment, where it's like everyone's like, this is going to be great! <laughs> we come out going, oh no, what What happened? What happened? <laughs> Maybe I need to go see it two more times, just to- Right. Uh, it was five for me, five for me with Phantom Menace, till I finally realized, nope, it's not getting any better! <laughs> I saw it three times. I still um, find enjoyment in in parts of it. Um, you've, been hit, you've been hitting the eggnog a little too hard, my friend. <laughs> uh, there are parts of Attack of the Clones that I I, I can barely get through, though I will say. And I enjoy Attack of the Clones, but there are portions of that movie where I'm like, oh, so 
Yeah, the love story is completely unbelievable, but there's certain parts in that movie I love. Like, out of the three of the prequels, I'd rather watch that one than the others. I mean, come on. Clone Wars has begun, or whatever Yoda says when they're flying in on the ships. I mean, that's pretty great. The big action set pieces really, really make that movie worth watching, yeah. and the whole pursuit, the whole cop movie vibe of it. There's some really, really good stuff in the movie. It could have probably been trimmed down a little. All, all three of those movies could have been trimmed in places, and some other stuff could have been added to Revenge of the Sith, but this is all beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm we're going to delay, do, I'm trying to delay having to talk try about to this. Do, yeah, so it's not going to work. Um, in fact, what I'm going to do right now is um, I'm going to go uh, take Shag out back and remind him what we're supposed to be doing here. Um, <laughs> but I will play a trailer, uh, probably probably plugging one of Rob Kelly's podcasts. Oh, snap. Burn. Um, <laughs> no, probably uh, pr- definitely promoting a fire and water uh podcast and uh we'll be back uh in just a moment with our airing of grievances so stick around Beginning in 2018, the Who's Who podcast enters the 1990s with our coverage of the Loose Leaf Editions. Featuring Superman by Jerry Ordway. The Joker by Brian Bolland. Wonder Woman by George Perez. Sandman by Mike Dringenberg. Batman by Norm Brayfogel. The JLI by Adam Hughes. Eclipso by Bart Sears. The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen. Dark Stars by Travis Charest. Lobo by Simon Bisley. Kent Shakespeare by Chris Sprouse? Who is that? Doomsday by Tom Grummet. Wait, are we covering these by issue or in alphabetical order? The Justice Society of America by Mike Parabek. The Forever People again? You are f***ing kidding me. Doom Patrol by Richard Case. (sighs) I'm so confused. And many more. The Who's Who podcast, going boldly into the 90s. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I guess. back 
So, as I mentioned in the introduction, the first tradition of Festivus is the airing of grievances. And uh, what Shag and I are going to do is each talk about two things that have either annoyed us or frustrated us about pop culture, fandom, etc. In 2018, uh, it is also a Festivus tradition of mine that the guests go first. So, Shag... Start us off. What is your first grievance? Sure thing. Sure thing. You know, I've been a reader of DC Comics since uh, avidly since about 1984. Big, big fan. I love DC Comics. It's really where I live and breathe, even though I love a lot of Marvel. DC is really my home. Yeah, me too. And for four years now, I have been a user of the Marvel Digital Unlimited platform and absolutely love it. I read hundreds of comics on that thing every year. I love it. And I have been saying since I joined four years ago, I've been saying, you know what? If DC would just come out with a digital subscription app, I would pay twice the price I pay of Marvel's and I'd be thrilled. And finally, finally this year, after being promised for about four years, DC finally released their app, the DC Universe app. Mm -hmm. And I freaking hate it. I am so disappointed in this thing, man. I am so mad. It, I get what they're going. Have you tried this thing out yet at all? I have not. Um, I was going to buy it for at least as long as it would take to watch season three of Young Justice when that drops, but I don't think that's out yet. No, it's not. Not yet. It's, so when that comes out, I may pick it up for a couple of months or however, like whatever I can do for the, the shortest subscription time. Okay. Um, but I've heard mixed things. Well, it depends on how you go into it. See, uh, what I'm looking in, in, there's people out there probably yelling at their <laughs> Zonophones right now or whatever going, no, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Okay, pal. For you, maybe. I want a comic book app. That's what I really, really want. Yeah. I want basically a deep dive into DC's catalog of comics and with thousands of books out there that I can read. And it does have about 2,500 comic books, which is a fair amount, right? I mean, I'm not going to read 2,500 comic books. However, most of them are comics I'm not that interested in reading or I already own. Mm -hmm. Or it's like Crisis on Infinite Earths issues one through four. What, huh? What am I going to do with that? Yeah. You know, it's basically it's it's, it's a taste tester is what or is it, yeah, it's a taste tester to try and get you to go buy the trades or buy the digital comics that come uh. after like the Morrison's Justice League can get the first four issues, that kind of thing. Um, so to me, that's frustrating as hell. Now, there are certain runs that are long, like Aquaman. They had all 75 issues of that. That's pretty cool. But I don't need to read those right now. They have been releasing the new Teen Titans, your your, your beloved new Teen yeah. Titans. But they were releasing them in chunks, like 20 issues at a time, mm -hmm. and telling you to read them now because they're only going to be on the app for so long. That's the other thing. They plan to take stuff off. Their, their, their business plan is to always have about 2,500 comics there. So they're going to release new stuff and take it off. So essentially what they're saying is I have to read certain comic books on their time frame, not mine. So if I'm in the mood to read, you know, I don't know, uh, Primal Force, I, I, I'm sure I'm, it's only going to happen when they want to give it to me. So that's very, very frustrating to me. Also, there's I, other issues with it. Oh, go ahead. What were you? Gonna I'm say? sure Alan has a has found a few thousand copies of Primal Force in a quarter bin. You could just ask <laughs> him to pick one up for you. It's well, okay. I, I, I have them all as well. I just don't feel <laughs> like it's worth digging through the long boxes to reread it. It'd be nice if it's just on my tablet. Um, another thing too. Now this is micro nitpicky, but since we are here to complain and whine yeah. and fuss, I mean that's what we're here for, right? Is the panel by panel view? Like when I read, I, I read a lot of digital comics. I love mm -hmm. digital comics. I've 
I give Comixology far too much of my money. I again, I, I love my Marvel Unlimited subscription. I happily pay that every year. So, and I love reading in panel by panel view because I really like to look at the artwork. Like you really zoom in on a panel, and I notice so much more. Yeah, doing panel by panel than I do when I just read a page. When I just read a page, I realize I blaze through reading the word balloons. I don't mm-hmm. really pick up all the art. And so the panel by panel view has been glorious. It also it gives you a lot more surprises too. Like, you know, on a page, if the big reveal is at the bottom of the page, well, you kind of spot it when you flip the page. If you yeah. do panel by panel view, you don't see it till you get there. Anyway, I love that. Well, the, the industry standard is to offer you an option that you can either – just read panel by panel view, or as you start a page, it'll show you the whole page, or as you finish the page, it'll show you the whole page. Mm-hmm. And really, for me, I like that, where I, I read every panel, and then it shows me the whole page, so I see how yeah. it all stitched together. Yeah. That option is not there on DC. Now, you can double tap it and zoom out and zoom back in, but it's all manual. you got to do it rather than it being yeah. that functionally being built in. Again, super nitpicky complaint, but having that option, just like, you know, it's industry standard at this point. Why isn't it there? Yeah. So, yeah, and, mo- and most and most comics were really, I'm not really, stop yeah, and most comics were really really well with that with that um, panel to panel view. I think I I think the only comic I ever really had a problem with that was bits and pieces of the Busaic uh, Paris Avengers because of splash pages and double page spreads and stuff where like I had to look at the whole page because it was just like the panel to panel view was just not mm. navigating me in a way that was was making sure. sense. But you're right, that panel to panel view. Um, especially with older comics too, um, really, really brings out the artwork and really brings out the story. It makes it really, really fun. You know, ironically, the the book that made me realize how valuable panel by panel view was was a Busick Avengers comic, but it was mm. Avengers Forever. Um, okay, so because uh, I think it was Carlos Pacheco, I want to say it was the art. I, or, I can't I remember think exactly. So, yeah, but it was so incredible. And I had and when I read the series originally, I blazed through. So when I read it in panel by panel, I'm like, every panel is like freaking gorgeous. Wow. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so I love that. So here's the thing: if you, for the DC app, if you want to enjoy it, the way you have to go in it into it is you're going there for the video content. You're going there for the Titan series. You're going there for Young Justice. You're going there to watch old Linda Carter Wonder Woman. You're going there to watch Superman movies. Whatever it is, you have to be going there to watch the video content. And then, oh, by the way, there's a few comics. That's the only way you're going to enjoy that app. I don't think the price point's worthwhile for that, though. I mean, seven ninety nine a month or whatever it is just to yeah. watch some old Wonder Woman episodes. I don't know that that's really worth it. I'm paying it right now. I, I thought I canceled it. I genuinely thought I had. Apparently, I didn't. Uh, or it's harder to than I thought. It's like a so, gym membership. Right. <laughs> so uh, technically, I'm still a member. And uh, right now, uh, the only reason I'm not having a fit about it is because I'm actually watching the Titans. And while that is not the Titans television series I wanted to see, I have to say it's pretty good. Like in a really weird, dark, twisted way, I'm enjoying it. Like every episode, I'm like, well, that's not my version of the Titans, but I get done watching and I enjoyed it. Hmm. So there's something to it, especially like the Starfire representation. She's pretty good at like I hate that character. Like I've always hated that character in the comics. (laughs) But on the show, that's like the first time I've run into a version of Starfire that I'm like, okay, I dig that. So that's something positive, I guess. I don't know. But I just want it to be a deep dive catalog with, you know, like, like the Marvel Unlimited is up to something like, I don't know, 18,000 comic books now. That's what I want. I want a deep dive catalog that I can go into and read whatever I want, whenever I want, and I will pay DC happily, twice what I'm paying for Marvel for that. And I'm not going to get it because that's not their business model. Yeah. I was on Marvel Unlimited for a while, and then I, I did drop it only because I was um, – several months had gone by, and I hadn't been – 
using it. You're a fool. Yeah, well, just because I, I, you know, I got distracted by other things or whatever, and, and then I was like, you know what, maybe I, maybe I'll come back to it, and like, I really, really do want to deep, do a deep dive into Marvel. But the thing I really did enjoy was that for the most part, and I'm Marvel is such a huge blind spot. At least a lot of the individual comic stories are with me. Um, I have some Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and in the old essentials. You know, the black and white essentials. Oh, yeah. I got all of the X Men from number one, uh, from what, 1963, yes. whatever, all the way up to the end of Inferno in wow. uh, out of $5 bins. But the essentials, fun. Yeah, the essentials. So I was like, you know, I think I had to get one of them off of eBay. It was like, <laughs> that might have cost me like 10 bucks. But it was like, because I had just started buying them up because I kept seeing them in $5 trade bins. And I was like, well, you know what? And and the X-Men was like, aside from G.I. Joe, was the was the Marvel comic that I read the most when I was when I was collecting comics. So it was like... Because you grew up in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So And then back in, in the early 90s. And I, I, I collected right up to the end of... I, I collected from maybe the end of... Um, Right around the time where they launched the the, the new the adjectiveless title and, and all mm-hmm. that, up until maybe the end of the Fatal Attraction storyline. So it wasn't a very very long thing, and, the, and one of the big reasons I dropped it was like I was paying too much money for stuff that I was you know, it was just a lot of money, and I was like you know I'd rather be buying other books. Long story short, that's about as much Marvel as I get, and I was really enjoying what I could dip in and out of with with Marvel. I would. T- I still take advantage every once in a while. Amazon will have some sort of like crazy, like ninety nine cent a dollar ninety nine sale for digital trades from mm-hmm. Marvel, and I got like two volumes of Simonson's Thor, the Epic Collection ones. Nice for like a buck a piece. It was like crazy. I spent like I think I spent about fifteen dollars, and I probably got a, about like at least a hundred, maybe. $150 worth of trade paperbacks digitally nice. on my Kindle. So stuff like that. But like, and, and so what, what was cool with that is that when I would go to my LCS and I would kind of flip through Marvel just, you know, to kill some time and stuff, I started looking for stuff that I knew was not going to be on, at the time at least, was not necessarily going to be on the app. So like mm-hmm. the occasional issue of like Marvel fanfare mm-hmm. or, or like um, movie uh, adaptations. For you know, your eyes only. Yeah, like if there's like a one and a two limit issue limited series of like The Last Starfighter or the Buckaroo Banzai one, because they're not going to reprint that. And it's like I'm finding them for 50 cents and I'm mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, I'll buy this. DC has such a huge back catalog. DC has 80, almost 85 years worth of comics and they are rescanning and reprinting a lot of the really, really old ones. Because I don't know if you saw solicited and previews over the last couple of months, but they're doing a whole. I mean, granted, it's like I think it's like one hundred and fifty dollars or something, but they're doing a whole um, Detective Comics before Batman omnibus. All twenty six issues. Yeah, like they're just doing a whole thing, hmm. and it just makes me remember that like you've got this rich history of this comics thing, but like, you know, let's reprint the killing joke for the 50,000th time. You know, it's it's been frustrating me for years the way DC badly curates a library they have that has so much it has to offer. And I realized that like, I'm 41. So I'm not, I'm not their target demo as much as say like, 
kids a couple of years older than my son are maybe, you know, those teenagers, like, you know, when I started collecting comics, I was like the target demo because I was about 12, 13 years old. But even then I had the greatest Batman stories ever told. And I, I still have my copy. It is worn <laughs> because I read the cover off that book. It, not literally. Cause it's lots of cover, but you know what I mean? It's just like, I would read and reread and I would reread the, um, some of the old, like, uh, Dick Sprang drawn stuff or the Shelley Maldolf drawn stuff, you know, the stuff from like the forties, some of the stuff from the fifties. I read Robin dies at dawn, like a billion times. And then the Englehart <laughs> Rogers stuff, the Neil Adams, the Neil, like talking stuff that was out way before I was born. By the time that, uh, that I could have gotten in trade and not in trade and in a back issue was like way more money than I had as a kid, you know? So I was like, I, I grew up with a really deep appreciation for these old comics. And I've seen some of my students and some other kids, um, who will check out, um, what is in the library. If it's of some old comics and stuff like, uh, you know, this, when they were doing the Superman Chronicles, the Batman Chronicles, mm-hmm. trade paperbacks a few years ago. So they would, so they do have an appreciation for that. But if you're not, if, if you're, you're offering some of that and not all of it, where you could have a character like a Superman or a Batman who has had this huge, or even a Wonder Woman. Not all the stories are great. Not all of them are even very good. <laughs> um, there's some Batman and Wonder Woman, even Superman stuff from different eras where it's really hard to get through it. Sure. But have it out there, you know, like. Well, I, I will say on the app, there is a whole lot of Batman out there. That they do. They, That's that, shocking. Well, there's a lot of Batman and there's a lot of New 52 stuff. So if you like those two things, there is a lot for you to read out there. <laughs> but if you want to read Sonic Disruptors or Slash Maraud, you are out of luck, Buster. Oh, Sonic Disruptors. The comic's so good, they didn't even finish it. <laughs> I still, I, st- I don't have Sonic Disruptors, but I still do search out stuff, even for DC, that I know is not going to be in digital stuff or if it is, you know, or it's not going to be like an app like that and stuff like that, you know, um, especially if it's like really, really, really cheap. Um, you know, so, um, if I get it for young justice, I will take a look at the comics, but it will probably be one of those cases where I will just take advantage of a comiXology sale every once in a while. And yeah. I like, you know, that's why I got, that's how I got like the longbow hunters and, uh, mm, good stuff. Uh, the Ostrander Truman uh, Hawkworld prestige format series. Love it. I have the I have the whole um, the ongoing. I have the whole ongoing uh, because my LCS was doing a fill a long box for twenty five. No, fill a short box for twenty five bucks promo. Is this the uh, Is this the shop you took me to? Yeah, okay. yeah. They were trying to They were trying to trim down their back issues, so I filled the. I f- I got most of the Will Payton Starman, and I got Ooh. pretty much all but like two issues of Hawkworld, and I th- just finished the Hawkworld run because I got the last two off eBay. Nice. So I was um, very very happy with that. I'm going to read them. That's one of my reading projects for next year. So I, I love it when they do the like Comicsology. They'll do the you know 99 cent sale every so often. Yeah. Like I I just bought a crap ton of Justice League uh, America and Justice League International or Europe comics off there because they were on the dollar sale. I'm like, well, I don't have these digitally because the, Mm -hmm. you know, but so I bought a bunch of those and I love it. Going and going back to your point though, if you're paying 80 bucks a year or even more Mm -hmm. for an app that's supposed to be like, here's a ton of comics and you still have to go to comiXology 
yeah, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. That's their entire business model, man, is give you a taste in the comic, and then you buy the rest of the digital. Well, they're going to have them all loaded in the app for you to buy, so it'll be mm-hmm. seamless. You'll you'll read, you know, let's take the, like I said, the first four issues of Morrison's JLA, and you go, oh, where's issue five? Oh, I can't buy it right here in the app right now. Click. How nice is that? So that's that. it's a completely different business model than the other folks. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll work for them. I don't know. I mean, really, if you <laughs> – I, I did a. I'm not going to do it here now, but I really did a deep, deep breakdown financially of how yeah. much money I think they're bringing in with the app. I based it on the CBS All Access app. I based it on recent DC uh, the DVD sales. I mean, I really tried to figure out some numbers here, and I, yeah. figured out, I figured out what their gross revenue was. Then I looked at this and said, okay, you know, they're making. It came out to something like 18 million dollars is basically what I came up to about a year. They're going to make. I'm like, well, wait a minute. If they're producing six or seven, maybe ten shows. 18 million won't cover that. That's nothing. Exactly. So they can't, all the money they make has to be being poured into the TV stuff. And and, and hopefully the DVDs on the back end and all that is what they're hoping for. So the comic books to them, comic books to them are like just nothing. It's all streaming video, which is probably where the bigger market is for them. But it's, it's so niche too, though. Like it's superhero. Like at some point, they don't even have the CW shows on there, by the way, because they don't have the rights to those. So it's like, it, at what point is it so niche that it's not worth eight dollars a month? You know, like that's a good question. That's it, a very it, good question. If it was access to a Warner Brothers catalog, that might be different, but it's not. It's just yeah. superheroes. Well, I was. Uh, this is something I was complaining about last year: is how like you really shouldn't put your. Like, I was saying like you don't throw away all your physical media, mm-hmm. and then complain that Netflix took away something that you could have had on DVD or Blu-ray. Right. You know, you, sh- you sh- don't put your, don't put all of your entertainment in the hands of the content provider solely. Like, you know, you are allowed to own your things and, um, you know, other streaming services, like I'm still getting my money's worth of Netflix. Cause we watch a lot of Netflix. Mm-hmm. The Same here. Of us. I dropped Hulu cause I wasn't, again, I wasn't watching anything. You know, I occasionally I dip in and out of a show or something. So they had a movie on there that was interesting, but then the movie would go cause I was too slow with it. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm paying for this Hulu membership. Will they may get rid of it? Um, I have an Amazon prime membership, but the, the fact that they build the incentive into, Amazon Prime with free shipping on things like you know there there's more beyond just streaming right. on Amazon Prime and Amazon Prime's got a good model for it in that it, it, in that they make certain things free to stream but the things that aren't are still pretty affordable they're about maybe I think they range from between like two ninety nine to four ninety nine for yep. a rental so it's basically like going to a video store in the nineties yeah. You know, and so that works really, really well. Well, um, there's not just the free shipping. There's also Amazon Music. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, I mean, the there's bun- so much. My, Amazon's the best buy I buy all year round. Amazon Prime is the best investment I make every year. The shit's not cheap, but it pays for itself really quickly, especially if you do end up using it quite a bit. Um, if, like you were saying, if if the DC thing opened up your you some access to like a Warner Brothers archive or something, or, or like a Warner Brothers app opened up, it kind of had a DC side to it. Unfortunately, Warner Brothers is notorious for like having terrible corporate synergy. Yes, you know, like that. I think um, maybe it was Mike or Scott or somebody described them as almost like working all in silos, where they're no, nothing is talking to um, each other. Whereas Disney knows how to work that um, where they're able to. I know the the various deals with Marvel 
being what they are. Or NBC and Universal are doing that, and unfortunately Comcast are doing that really, really well as well, where they are kind of integrating some things here and there, and there's a back and forth there. But um, I think Warner really needs to get its act together if they think that this is going to, you know, they're hyping it a lot because it just launched this previous year. I think it launched over the summer. Uh, September 15th, I think, was so, okay. the so launch date. Yeah, so the early, late summer, early fall. If they want this thing to survive beyond a couple of years when we have the inevitable, like, here are all the streaming services and then let's see what actually is done left when the dust settles, you know, where it's going to be Netflix, Amazon, and Disney. Yep, <laughs> pretty know? much. Yeah. Like, if you want to survive that war, you need to you need to make it worth the 80 bucks because we're going to hit that tipping point where nobody's going to want to pay for another service. Yep. You know, yep. especially if you're already paying for cable too. There are a lot of us, you know, there are a lot of people who proudly say that they cut the cord on cable and stuff and it's great. I'm one. I, I haven't. I, because it's just, um, for a variety of reasons, but we're, we're, you know, we're, we're looking into maybe when our next contract's up saying, okay, what can we live with that? How can we work this? How will it cost? But, you Dude, know, but there I, are a lot of people who still on cable, you know, and I, I cut the cord on cable and home phone and just use Comcast for my internet. Best thing, best decision ever made from an entertainment perspective. That and Amazon Prime. I've, those two things. I've, I've considered going to Comcast for um, just the internet and then yep. going back to my old phone company. Uh, for for the for the landline because our just, cell phone just our, ditch the landline just do yeah it. but but our our cell phones are not local numbers so doesn't so matter just we, just just do it man quit screwing around anyway <laughs> let's get into mine mine is mine is very much an old man yelling at a cloud um so <laughs> um. I go to the movies sometimes. I don't go as much as I used to when I was a teenager, when I was in college, when Amanda and I were dating, because responsibilities, a child, and and um, and the fact that the just kind of going to the movies can be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm there, you know, I've plunked down my ten dollars for a ticket or however much it is lately. It's probably even ten dollars, pretty cheap. <laughs> I don't know, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I you see Fandango has me like not even look at the <laughs> cost. So, but I plunked down, I plunked down my money. I, I probably, you probably blow if between, between tickets and, and concessions, you're blowing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And the theater where I go to, it's nice. It's, it's fairly new, you know, stadium seating. It's really, it's really comfortable. But here's the thing, like, <laughs> shut up. While the movie is playing, I, I just like okay. If especially if you're old enough to know better, if you're like my age or in your even in your twenties and in your thirties, like teenagers, I kind of get teen because I work around teenagers all day, right? Like or every day, human I, beings. I teach high school, right? So and and I, I I really like my students. They're great people. Some of them are really really great people. Like by and large, in the last couple of years since I started at the school where I'm teaching, they are, I haven't run across anybody who's just like a downright asshole. They're, they're all really, really nice kids, but they're, well, they're at school. Wait till they come home. Yeah, but, but, they're, <laughs> but they're teenagers, right? I'm and, just saying and, your son is young enough right now that you don't have that cloud that hang, no, I don't. hangs over I don't. your head working <laughs> like I do. So, yeah, but like <clears throat> they can be immature. They can be obnoxious. You kind of, 
you roll with that, you expect that. But like, if you are, you know, like you're in your twenties or thirties, you've been doing this for a while. You should be old enough to know that a movie theater showing a feature film that people played paid kind of like a premium price for is not the place to stage your own personal episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh. So case in point, um, our one of our local theaters was does um, the, the, is this beautiful theater called the Paramount Theater. They do live stage shows, but they show movies and they show older movies. Um, at a pretty good price. And, you know, so, um, they, I, I saw some like at hot there. Um, cool. I saw a couple other movies. So they, they, and they, they run the gamut from really old stuff like, you know, gone with the wind, wizard of Oz, that sort of era to, you know, within our lifetimes. Um, All right. And close encounters of the third kind was playing. So we got tickets, Brett and I went, Brett had never seen the movie and I hadn't watched it in maybe a couple of years. I have it on DVD. And even on DVD, I have a pretty decent size screen TV. It looks gorgeous on that TV. But, like, you know, there's something about seeing it on a movie screen. This is a huge movie screen. So we go. We're sitting in the theater. And um, we're coming upon what is one of the most famous scenes in the movies, which is the family dinner at the Neary household. <laughs> where, 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 with the mashed potatoes, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> I, knew, I knew where you were going. So there's not a ton of people in this theater, maybe 40 or 50. Um, which for kind of a revival showing on a Sunday afternoon is a pretty good audience. And I'm watching this scene, and uh, something you notice when you see these movies on the big screen are things you don't necessarily always catch when you're watching it on TV. And for the first time in a while watching this movie, I'm watching not Richard Dreyfus do his thing. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the rest of his family. Okay. And I'm watching his kids get more and more upset at how their father is having a breakdown, essentially. Mm-hmm. And and I'm starting to get like the gravity of his entire storyline in a way that I don't think I had in watching it in a way. So he's piling this on, he's piling this stuff onto the plate, and this guy, who, by the way, had come in late to the movie anyway, and made Ooh. a lot of fucking noise coming in, Wow, starts cackling. And he's the only one in the theater. And I'm just like, shut. I didn't say anything. I just kind of like, I kind of like looked over and was like, all right. And I'm just going to kind of keep going. And then he, he kind of kept his mouth shut here and there, but he would make kind of snide remarks to the guy next to him. And I was sitting there going like, and it, you know, and, and I loved the movie. It, like Brett loved the movie. We, we had a great time, but I'm just sitting there thinking like, shut up. Right. You know, like I've, I've been to showings of movies where the audience is like really into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where maybe a lot of people have seen the movie and there are parts we all laugh at and, you know, but like <laughs> if you go in and you've been sitting in there and it's, cause that's not at the beginning of the movie. It's like halfway through the film and you've been halfway through this film. The place is silent and it's not Rocky horror, you know, like it's not like, you know, d- don't go Rocky horror with it. Like, right. Read the fucking room. So that's my old man rant. It's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> we paid like, like I, I went to see Superman the movie with Brett when it was released around here. It was actually here. Fathom Events finally came here for something. Cool. And and the place was like, you could have heard a pin drop the entire two, two and a half hours in that theater. Awesome. Even, even the, <laughs> sorry guys, 
even the dumbest scene in the entire movie, which is Margot Kidder's voiceover. <laughs> it's the one thing I don't like about that movie. Um, even that, people just kind of just were watching, and it was just like you see that that's what like that's what you want from mm-hmm. a movie. If it's a comedy, and people were you know people were laughing at some of the Miss Tessmacher Lex like laughing at appropriate places like. You know, if you are a grown ass person, know know how to like you know no nobody wants to hear your 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 funny remarks. <laughs> nobody wants to hear you cackle at things that like you know actually aren't that funny. Um, and I don't mean like in a failed joke way. I mean like in an actual serious moment way. Right. And nobody wants you know, no like that's not what I that's what I paid for. You know, like I said, if I wanted to see Rocky Horror. <laughs> I'd go see Rocky Horror. Yeah, audience so, participation yeah, yeah. is not mandatory. Yeah, yeah. So, I totally feel your pain, bro. Up. <laughs> I, I worked in a movie theaters. I managed movie theaters for about three, four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, after college, I went to go work at AMC, <laughs> these giant megaplexes, these 24 screen, 30 screen yeah, theaters. This is a regal. Uh, yeah, as the one we have, and uh, it was like you know, I when I was a kid, I knew kids that managed movie theaters too. But like AMC's business model was you had to be a college graduate and all this stuff, so it was like you know, it was a professional job. And I'm there, and I'm like, same sort of thing. I had to go in frequently and tell people just to shut up. And it's a it's a thing that hasn't changed in history, which is amazing. I guess it's just the next generation keeps coming up. I don't know, but they're such little dis, uh, regard, such little regard for the people around them. It's just amazing, yeah. especially like you said, where the cost movies are nowadays. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then or the texting that gets me is when the whole room lights up because somebody decides to play on their phone in the middle of a movie. It's like, dude, n- no, just I, disconnect, bro. I've been lucky. Knockwood, I haven't come across a ton of that in recent times. Now, granted, I don't go to the movies as much as other people do because I just don't get to get out. So I think I've seen five movies, six movies this entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, let's see. <laughs> counting, counting Close Encounters and Superman, I saw Solo. I saw both um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. Black Panther, Infinity War. Um, All right, so far, like, movie-going experiences are very similar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, we went to see that Nick Park movie, Early Man, which oh, was actually pretty funny. I did not see that one. Uh, it was it was kind of like it, it was it was a crappy day out, or we had you know it was just one of those like let's go see a movie. This looks like it's funny. Um, claymation British people. Oh, okay. Um, Crazy Rich Asians was funny, and that's, oh, I think it's about it. We saw, you know? we saw the Fantastic Beasts movie. My daughter and I. My son went to that with his friend because his friend's birthday was a couple weeks ago. So gotcha. they went to the movies together. Um, so c- can I share one more thing about movie theaters? So, yeah, sure. So this is a year or two old when I, I went and saw Star Trek Beyond. I saw it a few times. I really like Star Trek Beyond. I saw have to it. watch that. I've heard really good things. Oh, it's excellent. It's really good. Yeah. And so I knew I'd seen it. And then I went out to go see it with my brother and where he lived. And they had this really cool, unique thing. They had this local theater that was doing something different. It was sort of an experimental thing. They had three screens, like a triptych. And you'd watch the movie. Sometimes it was spread across all three screens. And sometimes it would be the center action only. And then other times it would be the center action. And the other two screens would be showing something else completely. Like oh, that's cool. Related. It was really an interesting idea. It, in the end – Ultimately, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. It's not like, oh, my God, they got to do this for every movie. But it was an interesting experiment. 
But there's this guy sitting next to us, and I swear to God, since you already dropped an F-bomb, I think I'm okay here. Oh, he please, must have the explicit tag went on this the minute we started. <laughs> he bought every fucking loud bag of candy they had, <laughs> and he must have opened 15 of them. So it's just like every couple of minutes, it's like, you know, pa- the, the crinkly plastic paper, you know, <laughs> and I guess when he reached in, he just tried to go for maximum noisage. And I turned to my nephew, who was only about, I don't know, 17 maybe. And, you know, I try to be the adult around these kids, right? I said, if he opens another fucking bag of candy, I'm going to kill him. And I can't believe I, – I never do that. I never say that. But I was – I lost it because I couldn't enjoy the movie at all for just the noise of stuff. And also the guy clearly had seen the movie because he's saying the lines before the character does. Um, it's just – Oh, so irritating. I had, I will never forget going to see Giant Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh. That's how many years ago this was, though. Yep. Um, it was me and Amanda, and then her friend and her friend's boyfriend, and her friend's boyfriend. I don't know if if her friend had seen a. She probably. I know she had seen Mallrats. I know she probably seen at least one of the other movies. He was like pointing out every single damn reference to her, and she was just like the look on her face was like just kind of like grinning and bearing it. It right. was so. And we're, I'm just sitting there in the theater, just trying to enjoy this movie, which is not that good of a movie, but like just trying to you. Know, just trying to get through this movie, and and he, I was just like, oh my god, if you point out who that person is one more time, I'm gonna be, knock your teeth down his throat. Like, please stop. So, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, just to end on a, on a little positive note, and then we're gonna go into your second one. I am among those who is. Um, it's not my favorite movie of the series. That would be Wrath of Khan, but I would like to see. Um, Star Trek the motion picture on the big screen. That would be really really cool to watch, considering how like massive that movie is only if there's the extra ship porn then i'll then i would go for it the the thing i say about that movie is i love the first like 30 40 minutes of that movie Mm -hmm. the minute they leave space dock i'm asleep that pretty much from (laughs) then on is how that goes I was, uh, God, it was just, I, I had, it wasn't until I watched that movie on Blu-ray because I had the widescreen version finally that I really finally understood a lot of the whole V'ger sequence because the pan and scan was terrible. Like, you you finally realize, like, why widescreen matters because, like... It was breathtaking to look at. Yeah, it's just like you're seeing this thing, you're like, oh my God, I was missing, like, two-thirds of the image when I was seeing these things, but... Doesn't make but the no, story I do, move I any really, faster, bro. <laughs> true, but I do enjoy that movie. It is it is a, it is a an enjoyable enjoyable film to me. Now, Five, that's a whole other story. Um, there are reasons to watch Five. Not a lot of them, but there are reasons. <laughs> yeah, I'll get there. I'm doing a rewatch right now, so... I'm up to two. Two and four is where it's at, bro. Two, four, and six. I do like the whole 2, 3, and 4 trilogy. And Three's 6 good. is one of... 6 is like my second favorite out of all of them behind Wrath of Khan. 2 and 4, it just depends on the day for me. Uh, so I can go either way each time. Um, all right. So what's your uh, your second one? Well, it's... Uh, you You and Alan actually touched on this last year as like... <clears throat> a, I think he called it his secret third one or something like that. So mm-hmm. it didn't really count. Um, for me, it's the schism in fandom where everybody has to hate each other if they're not on the same side of an issue with with a fandom stuff. For example, uh, this past year – now, this movie technically came out last year, but the hatred and the bile, I think, really happened this year, which would be The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't want to go into it in depth, but there are people that love this movie and there's people that hate this movie. And if you're not on the same side as the other person, apparently a fight should almost break out, which is crazy. Uh, Same thing for Doctor Who. You know, I'm a big, big Doctor Who fan, have been for Mm -hmm. 35 years. And the fact that they cast a woman in the role just makes it the worst thing ever. Now, you can fall on either side of it. I don't care. You know, if you like the character, like the actress, don't like the actress, like the series, don't like the series, I don't care. You shouldn't be at each other's throats over it. It's just not healthy. I mean, fandom, you know, being a geek, all right, you and I growing up, which, by the way, was in the old days. For those you youngins listening, although I doubt there are any, uh, we used to write on stone tablets and things like that in the old days Mm -hmm. and send smoke signals to each other. That's how we started fanzines with smoke signals. Um, now, the important thing, now, the important thing about oh, the story, no. oh, Shag, God, I know where this is. Is that I had an onion on my belt, <laughs> oh, which was the style at the time. That always comes up. Oh my gosh! Anyway, there were so few of us geeks out there, and it was amazing to find another geek. Right? Oh yeah, kid. They, you became best friends. It didn't matter if one of you thought that you know on <laughs> shot first or Greedo shot first. You know, you might yeah. tease each other, but you didn't hate each other over it, and. Back then, we geeks would unite, and now maybe it's because geek culture is so popular, or there's so many of us, or the internet is just evil, uh, to make turns people evil, I don't know. Mm. But we're eating our own. Rather than embracing all of our geeky people, we're actually battling with one another. Doctor Who was especially a very inclusive fandom, because we've always, in Doctor Who fandom, we've always had conflict of like, oh, your favorite Doctor is the fourth Doctor? Well, mine's the fifth Doctor. That conflict has always been there. It never made us hate each other. Now people are literally screaming. They they have you know change.org petitions to wipe things from canon. I mean it's ridiculous how far and how hostile it's gotten. And it's not healthy. It's extremely unhealthy. Go back to your my mantra of find your joy. Find something you love. Embrace it. Enjoy it. The stuff that you hate, let go of it. And don't hate other people because they like stuff you don't. It, it's almost like politics, honestly. You know, politics mm-hmm. or even sports. Both of those are nowadays. If you are on a side, you are absolutely against everything the other side stands for. That's just how it apparently has to be. At, at no point are two people from opposite sides allowed to sit down and have a decent conversation, which is insane to me. You know, I, I try and lead by example. So I recently had uh, Daniel Cynical Adams on my my podcast talking about the DC. Movies, you know, uh, Batman versus Superman, Superman Man of Steel, that, yeah. stuff like that. That's another fandom where people are just at each oh other's throats. It's vicious. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not a big fan of those movies. I, I like Justice League and I like Wonder Woman, but I'm not a big fan of those movies. I'm looking forward to Aquaman. But anyway, Daniel's a huge, huge fan. And you know what? We sat down and had a very nice, pleasant conversation. We teased each other. We went back and forth. We decided to disagree on a lot of issues, but there was no hate. There was no bloodletting. There was no, mm-hmm. oh, my God, if you're not a fan of this and you're just an idiot. I mean, it, it was just simply a conversation where a lot of times we just agreed to disagree, and it was healthy. It was a healthy discourse, and we, that's what this country needs in general, whether it's geek fandom or politics or whatever. Two people on two different sides sitting down, having a conversation, agreeing or not agreeing, but not hating each other. Well, and the thing you bring up sports fandom, sports fandom is something where because there's a built-in rivalry – in certain aspects of sports fandom, conflict is encouraged, but not on the level of what you get in politics lately mm-hmm. or what you've been getting in, in, in geekdom where like I have um, my cousin, Brian and I are exactly the same age. Brian is 10 days older than I am. So he's also 72. Yes. Okay. 
I am a New York Mets fan. Brian is a Yankees fan. It's been that way since we were little kids. We give each other so much crap about each team. The Mets are terrible. That is factual. It's very factual. <laughs> but at the same time, there's that rivalry or the, the kind of the back and forth, you know, or the way that like back when we were still watching the NFL, uh, my wife and I are in team for rival teams in the same division, both of which are terrible teams right now. Anyway, <laughs> we would give each other crap all the time about like, you know, these teams and things like that. But there's a sort of like a healthy competition in there and, and, of like this sort of good time is had by all because we're kind of giving each other shit for it because exactly. that's your so you do with your friends sometimes but the way this has become yeah you're right the way this has become like weaponized yeah toxic and women get it worse than any of us any guys do oh really um, and women have getting have been getting it worse for for years um in sports is another example like you know my wife is 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 a big sports fan, mm-hmm. but her more than me will get the try. You know, we'll have a conversation with a guy about sports, and all of a sudden, it's like she will get quizzed as uh, if she has to prove yeah, her, yeah. her her knowledge in order to be let into the club. And I'm just kind of like they got to prove their cred, yeah. But like, but like, hey, but why? Because men are like, better. You know, but but, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't understand it in the same way. In the same way that when we were when we were kids reading comic books like you found that like you know I had like three or four friends who were um, kind of like liked kind of the same stuff I did but we were all kind of like in our own separate circles with stuff um, one of it was geographic because he, he was a friend of mine who moved ended up moving away and we kept in touch you know via letters and phone calls and stuff but we read comics together and I had another friend who we read comics and went to see sci-fi movies with and then I had another friend who was like big into like video games and computers and then we would go see like shitty horror movies and stuff together. <laughs> but like, but you know, the, the popular crew in high school, maybe I had some music in common with them. Right. You know, so it was just never, and, and girls, <laughs> you know, like I would have killed for a girl to come up to me and say, you know, Hey, that's the latest issue of, uh, you know, Titans. Cool. Let's talk about it. You know, in the same way that like, you know, when, when I was dating Amanda in college and she, you know, she and I would sit down and watch a football game together or whatever. I was like, cool, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and yet it's like, you know, Hey, you know, I'm going to quiz you because, you know, you're a girl and it's, it's so they, they get it like really, really bad. It's horrible. Here's, it's, it's, it's not fair yeah. at all. Now I think, uh, and, and I'm not, well, I, I'm hold not. on. Let, let me finish the thought. Okay, here go, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and I'm probably going to phrase this in a way that ends up getting me in trouble or something. I'm sure. Cause I'm stupid. First of all, know that it's the irredeemable shag. So no going in say, folks, anything I say, I'm, I'm a horrible person. Uh, I get, I guess where some of the concept comes from. Cause I, you know, I managed a comic book shop from 92 to 96. And the vast majority of women that came through those doors was either a kid's mom or a, or a guy's girlfriend. It, it's true. That is yeah. factual. It wasn't until uh, Sandman came along that we really started getting more uh, female customers. Um, and so the term unicorn, you know, where you hear, it yeah. wasn't that untrue in the 90s, at least in the shops I managed. Um so I get, I suppose, where the shock and surprise that a female's reading comics comes from, 
But but the answer to that is not to then quiz them and make them prove it. Instead, it's more like awesome, more the merrier. That's fantastic. Yeah, and it's been twenty years. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, twenty five like, actually. Yeah. And, and and I'm not. I'm not. God, I know so little about Doctor Who. It's just not. It was never never anything I really. Oh, we've taken into. note, Tom. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. Um, but I will say that I have in my teaching career seen so many girls and women mm-hmm. who are huge Who fans. You know, like walking like on Halloween, they'll they'll have like some sort of Who costume or like you know a, a TARDIS dress or something mm-hmm. or or like you know when I used to be yearbook advisor, every once in a while, and usually always mostly girls would put quotes from whatever number doctor right. As their senior quote and stuff. The Doctor Who convention I go to every year, there's uh, about 3,700 people, and I wouldn't be surprised about half of them is not female. Yeah, like we've been to comic conventions here, and you've got, there are a number of women in attendance, um, and not just the ones who dress like Harley Quinn, but um, (laughs) there are a lot of Harley Quinn. Some dress like Stella. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But, but like, you know, it's just, but you're right, it's just, and this and this sort of like either or way of thinking about a piece of of film mm-hmm. or something like the the last Jedi was a great example, oh. um, which which it does kind of I, I do kind of crack up at about how all of a sudden everybody loves the prequels. Oh my gosh! <laughs> because they hate the last Jedi, and I'm like, wait a second, you all ragged the prequels for years. Let's just put it out there: I, Star Wars fans are dicks. They really are. Like it's, I, someone's been posting some art, like uh, letters from like old Star Wars magazines going back to like the nineties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They were dicks back then. Now I, I've been a Star Wars fan this whole time. I guess I was a dick and I didn't know it. But I I, I love Star Wars. It, but there's so many jerks in the Star Wars fandom. They really are. This is true. There's a lot of jerks in just about any fandom. But yeah, it, it is one of those things where it's just I, I don't. And maybe it comes from the fact that I like a lot of just objectively second to third tier movies anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there are great movies out there and great feats of cinema that I've seen, you know, once or twice. You know, I've watched, I've seen The Godfather I mean, once or twice. You okay. know, enjoyed The Godfather. Really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, but I bet you've seen Weird Science a lot more often. How many times have I watched Can't Buy Me Love? You know, I mean, just like... <laughs> I knew, I knew like that, that was going like, to get mentioned. I, I, just like something like this, stuff like that, like, I will watch. I have I have watched... I know every damn line from Empire Records. It's like, because these are... They're not they're not particularly great works and things like that, but I think it's, it's like coming from the, the point of view where, like, I like a movie that is just like, it's good for background noise or it's, it's just cheesy or whatever... And then walking into a, you know, into Star Wars and like, you know, really just can't be blown away by, you know, the experience in the theater. And then, yeah, seeing the flaws in some of these movies, but still enjoying them. Like, where's the problem with that? Right. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's like entertainment. Like, I understand the criticism a number of people have with The Force Awakens and that it rehashes a number of pieces of the original plot from Star Wars. Right. Mm hmm. Even so. I enjoy the movie. It's a fun watch. 
I I enjoyed watching the last Jedi. You know, like it's just so. And and if you don't like it, it's like it's that's cool. But yeah, exactly. Can, There's nothing wrong with having a different yeah. opinion. And we will. I mean, and we will. We will. And this kind of ties into my second one, so I'm, I'm kind of going to segue in here. All right. Because, um, because first, um, it, the it, we will we will we will make fun of each other as as friends in our circle because you know that's what we do but we're we're all being friendly like we I'm not were friendly teasing, that's the difference I, I mentioned I mentioned Star Trek the next uh, not next generation the motion picture and I think Gene posted about it on Facebook and like he got like four or five like you know the motionless picture yawn you know like oh, those sorts was, of that comments. was something I posted I posted a thing yeah. of uh, movies but, classic movies for this year but, and motion picture got rolled into it but you're not you're not doing it to be a dick uh, I was poking Gene to be a dick <laughs> but, you're, but you're you're as, but, as a friend, yes. You and Gene have a rapport yes. and, and stuff that, that, you know, that allows you to do it. When somebody come, who you don't know comes in there and is like, you know, I kind of like that to you. That's true. That That's where that's where it's just like, who are you? You know, you're not <laughs> – I don't know you and you're, you're making this joke. Like, we don't <laughs> – we don't have the back and forth established yet. This is the other thing. This kind of ties into this snarkiness and and over criticism does not necessarily mean that you're smart. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and then pre- being pretentious and does not necessarily mean that it's of highest quality. Hmm. You know. And there was a word that you um, you brought up earlier. Um, I'll, let me listen to the pronunciation to get it again. Sesquipedalian. Yeah. Sesquipedalian. Mm-hmm. You, basically, it's a pretentious word to describe people who use pretentious words, which I thought yep. y- you brought it up. Yep. Sesquipedalian. I learned it from a Peter David comic book. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is a great word because there's so many people, and we put up with those people for years the people who would look down their nose, like oh, you're you're reading a superhero comic, like you know, yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Bill Maher. <laughs> and I think we're all oh, good. Sorry, you sorry. Know, was, well, you know what the funny thing was about that? Just really quickly, I had stopped paying attention to him like months ago. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like you're not even relevant. Who who are you? I don't even know you. You don't even. She, it's just like I need that Jeff and Mariah Carey going. I don't know her. <laughs> you know she doesn't even go here. Like you know people got all bent out of shape. But it's like who? But I, I think we're all guilty of this at some point. I think we're all guilty, especially at a younger age where we start to discover our kind of our ability to make silly jokes and be snarky. And I don't know if it's immaturity or insecurity or whatever. We we will snark on anything that anybody likes is popular. Um, hipsters take it to a level that, you know, makes you want to murder all of them. <laughs> and, and we all like to take the piss out of things, but there, there comes a point where like, where I can see through your use of all this sarcasm and snarkiness and criticism because you're just try. I can see that you're trying too hard to look cool to, I don't know who, you know, and, like, I don't need your video about all the things wrong with this in five minutes or whatever, you know, or, or, or like, you know, or, or these tired jokes about, about something because, I don't know, it'll either get you hits or likes or, or just, or just in general, like, like yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, that, that's part of it, but even the part of just kind of the general attitude, like, you know, um, like in the back and forth on social media and stuff, you know, I mean, it's just, 
Um, I already put, for years, put up with those people in, like, book circles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, like in college, like the people who, you know, who everything had to be literary, you know, like that sort of attitude. That That's almost like that ivory tower academic attitude. Now we're applying it to our popular culture. Yes. In a way that I was probably there for many, many years, but it's so out front now. Well, now they have a platform to get it in front of your face. Yeah, and it's just, it's tired. And I think it's exacerbating this this schism, you know, between Could fans. Be. Could be. Because it, I think it just adds another layer to it. I, uh, I've known a few of these people over the years, especially working in the comic book shop. You know, yeah. you get people, oh, superhero comics are so pedestrian, you know, whatever. Mm. And um, it, it, it has existed for a long time. But it, a lot of times I'll be going back and forth with these people. And I realize part of it, too, is some of them just thrive on the argument and they yeah. just wear you down. And they are using very pretentious words to make themselves sound more intelligent. And I had one particular friend for years who was like this. And I just said, look, dude, you – would have been excellent on the debate team in high school because <laughs> you're going to win every argument we have because your argument's better than mine. It doesn't make you right. It just means that you either wore me down or you just made a you know your argument was eloquent. It doesn't you just kept talking, right? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it, you know, it's like a piranha. You don't stop uh, or a chihuahua. Either one. Ugh. Anyway, uh, in in both cases, though, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're right all the time. It just means that you're a better arguer, and that isn't fun. That's exhausting. Yeah, and you know, like um, having a kid who likes just about anything and is kind of in that between age because he's in he's 11 right so he's in that between age of he's in the and he's in his golden age man that yeah is a great freaking age for a boy there's still watching some cartoons that, that kind of skew younger like he was watching the big hero six cartoon okay this morning because it's one of his favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time i love big hero six it was a great movie but then he, he'll, he'll watch some stuff that's a little more sophisticated like you know um and and we watched you know we watched Supergirl and the Flash together, mm-hmm. and the occasional like live action show stuff like that, and, and movies and stuff, and it's just like what. And I've seen this among I, I've seen among a, a number of his friends too, because he seems to get along with a lot more people. Like what what are the I read it's one of the parents uh, of one of the girls who lives around the block, and her her daughter her daughter was telling her like. Brett talks to girls like he's one of the only, you know, because this is sixth grade. And but it's like he he's he I've always told him, like, you like what you want. Right. You know, who cares? And I, and I, I hope that, like, you hope against hope that maybe with each passing generation, that philosophy kind of becomes more and more ingrained in a lot of them, because, like, it was really tough to feel like you were sneaking around with like Batman comics in the mid nineties or something at your high school when everybody else was like, you know, looking really sad in their Nirvana t-shirts um, or, or they were still listening to the, a lot of people I went to high school with listened to the cure a lot. And I, I didn't really like the cure when I was in high school. Oh, the cure um, Smith's Depeche mode, Morrissey, all of it is, was that, yeah. those were the intelligent yeah. people. Who were- yeah. Well, that was the thing. And, and so like, you know, I, now it's like, you can like whatever you like and listen to whatever you listen to and stuff like that. And it's, I see less and less of that where I'm 
around the kids I am, like they just kind of go off and like find their niche and, you know, they do their thing, which is a positive thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, to at least in my mind, but like, God, there's still, you go online and still people who will slag you for liking one thing over another or just, or, or think that like they're, literally think it's like they're pulling out their report card and showing you their grades that are higher than you because they've, you know, I don't know, they they can do a thousand words on the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey in a way that, like, you know, oh, nobody else has thought of this or, you know, right. or something or, I don't know. <laughs> I totally understand. And, you know, I'm not an eloquent person. I talk a lot and I put a lot of stuff out there, but I'm not eloquent. And so when you well, come we're up, both verbose, right? When you come up across, <laughs> that's a big word. When you come up across these people that are, and you're on the other side of an issue, it's, it is exhausting when it's like, okay, I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. It's my opinion. That That's, that's where it stands. And I'm allowed to have yeah. my own opinion. Now, one of my favorite expressions is everyone's allowed to have their own opinion. Yours just happens to be wrong. I do love saying that, but it's just a joke around. It's not, you know, legitimate. So, yeah. And, and I, I, like I said, politics is, is a great, great example for this. I just try to, um, avoid talking about it on the show for, for obvious reasons. I will say though, that one of the things that has been very, very helpful is that there are people I know who, where we can find common ground on things. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Giaconetti, Giaconetti and I, and, and Paul Spadaro and I, have very different political views, but we are all Mets fans. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm when sorry, Luke and I you. talk, <laughs> yeah. So when Luke and I talk, Luke and I have a, it's kind of a running joke between the two of us. We, he is, he, I am way more liberal than he is. He's way more conservative than I am, but we both love the Mets and we both suffer through that. And it's, it's like, you know, that to us, tr- um, wins out over whatever argument you want to have about whatever election that is coming See, up. See, that's healthy. Like that. That's good. It means that you yeah. two are on the opposite side of issues, and yet you can still t- sit down, talk about it, and say, you know what? We're not going to agree. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and but I just, I wish we had more of that, like where people could find common ground. And if they want to, if they want to discuss whether or not they like certain things about certain stories and things like that. They can without having to, like, I feel that they have to justify every single choice in their life. Civil discourse is the term I keep coming back to because, you know, it's a discussion. Civil, by definition, means polite to each other. You know, a civil discourse, at least I think it does. I don't know. I'm not that smart. Maybe a pretentious person. I think, yeah, me. I think so. I, yeah. No, that's that's what that's what I was going yeah. to. I mean, uh, so as having a civil discourse is you discuss something you don't have to agree, but you can talk about it politely with each other. That's very possible. Yeah. And it's like and, you know, I, I the other thing is, is that we've seen people come at creators for this, too. Ooh, it is with social media. It is bloody. How many people have di- how many creative like people have ditched Twitter because the people were so hateful? Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. And and to me, that's like I mean, we have unprecedented access to people who are um, creators of the, the comic comics and things. And even to some extent, television and movies. Mm-hmm. Um, although a lot of the kind of the bigger the star you, the more the more likely um, that person is. Um, you're talking to their agent. That, <laughs> yeah, you're talking to their publicist. Yeah. Um, but you know, like like a Jerry Ordway, right? Or uh, or a Kirby Sick, or, um, or or some of those other people. They're running their own Twitter accounts, and 
and uh, they will interact with you every once in a while. Jerry, Jerry Ordway commented on something of mine just the other day. I was like, oh my god, yeah. I wanted to frame it. Yeah, yeah, and like, oh, like, like I. Yeah, I think you probably might have seen it if you, if anybody looked at the uh, Pop F Facebook page back in August when I released the Baywatch episode and I tagged Nicole Eggert in the post and she liked it and <gasps> I was like, yeah, Nicole Eggert. Like <laughs> but it's like, but it's like little things like that. But like, there are people who are just vicious about it, and it's just like, why are you going after these? creators to make yourself feel better because i don't know for for, i don't know whatever reason you're like it's one thing to like not like something they did Mm -hmm. you know there are things that gail simone's a great example there's stuff that gail simone wrote that i loved her villains united and the the secret six stuff she did i did not like her batgirl run okay in the new 52 just I didn't. I dropped the book. I, I think I read up to about issue zero. I dropped the book after that. And I was just, you know did what? Not care for it. That is the best yep. way to vote with your dollars. Yes. Yeah. But I'm not going to go on Twitter and 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 go off on her for for doing that. You know. It's like the DC app I complained about earlier. I'm not going to yeah. go on now. The guy who like you know their their marketing guys and all this stuff. They've been on various interviews. Their names are out there. They're on social yeah. media. I'm not going to go out there and personally attack them on social media because I hate the DC app. No, mm. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to vote eventually once I'm done watching Titans, I guess, uh, with my dollars and walk away. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, we're devolving into the Rodney King. Can't we all just get along plea? But at the same time, there is something to be said about that. I miss the conversation. And I think that's what's really, really, I mean, that's, I think it's, that's half the reason, like, will podcast with each other sometimes because I think we all miss the conversation. Yeah. And it's gotten so one-sided and it's filled with so many people. I mean, there's still the whole, I read graphic novels, not comic books crowd out there and stuff like that. And like, I don't know that. I didn't know that's still a thing. Oh God. Sometimes some of them. Yeah, no. And I just, you know, it's not as much as it was, but like there's, there still is that sort of like, um, pretense surrounding that that the looking down your nose at, at superhero comics or sure. um like the AV club has been posting all of their top 10 lists in the past week or two okay and um I read them I flip through them just in case there's something that they mention that I haven't seen read or listened to because it's like you know hey I might want to check this out and they did their comics and just very typical for a site like that a lot of them were were indie of course um some of them were very well deserved they pointed I think Paper Girls was on there and I really really love that particular uh series and there were a couple other ones that I've heard really really good things about I just haven't read, but you know, it's almost so, and I usually trust their judgment on stuff, but there is that attitude with, with comics where it's like when they choose a superhero comic for something like that, it's like the one they deigned to read, you know, or they feel like they got to defend the fact that they're promoting a superhero comic when it's like, you don't have to explain that the superhero comic is good. Just say it's good. Yeah, as, and 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 sometimes the the ones they don't feel the need to defend are the ones that are so offbeat that like everybody's like, oh yes, this was the, you know, Mister Miracle. Usually, it's probably one of yeah, the ones Mr. that got Miracle. talked about this year. It was, it was, and I've heard really, really good things about it. I just, again, I, not. Uh, I read the first five issues. It was amazing. I just, uh, yeah, I, I so just again, trailed off. I'll probably finish it at some point. It was really good. 
again, I might, you know, if I come across it or, or whatever. Um, the, my public library has a great, great trade graphic novel section in both the YA section and the adult section. So it might pop up at one point. But, but yeah, it's just like, don't, don't, because on some level you're kind of making yourself feel better by just shitting on something that somebody likes. Um, Which is what we're doing this whole episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and I think I, I think if I'm in the next, I know I know my totally clock properly. I think I've done my job and have already beaten the length of Professor Allen's episode because he always says I'm too wordy. So there we go. Congratulations, Professor. I beat you. Rubbing your nose in it. See, that's positivity right there. That's people working together. This is true. This is true. <laughs> um, I mean, granted, I will tell you, the feats of strength involve us doing exactly that to a particular comic um, of a particular era where that we were both there for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and there's and, – and that's a good way to segue out of this. Um, that, that's Because the 90s <laughs> – I realize there are there are some people out there who are starting to look back on the on the nineties uh, comics, especially the early nineties comics, with more of a fondness than what we did, than what we do with stuff like this. And there was some great stuff in the early nineteen nineties from DC, from Marvel, even some of the early image stuff is is, is still fun as hell. That's not what I'm going for. Here. <laughs> He's not lying, folks. So um, we're going to take a break because um, I think the grievances have been aired. I think, I mean, this isn't just beating a dead horse. This is like beating the horse to, de- to death, beating it some more, burying it, digging it back up, <laughs> beating it, setting it to the glue factory, and then beating the glue. I mean, I think we're done. Um, with that so we're going to be moving along to the feats of strength uh, just right after this quick break stick around Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue, in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter, Batman, Doctor Fate, Black Canary, Fire, Ice, Maxwell Lord, Oberon, Captain Marvel, Rocket Red, Captain Adam, Mister Miracle, Guy Gardner, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Nort, and many, many more. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it?
And we are back again. So with the airing of grievances over, it's time for the feats of strength. Every year I've done this, I've chose some sort of random, terrible 90s comic series. I kicked it off in 2016, uh, where Mike Bailey and I covered the original Brigade miniseries from Image. Last year, Professor Allen and I covered two issues of Malibu's The Ferret. This year, I'm going back to the well. That is this box of 90s comics that I got for free a number of years ago. Uh, Ask for your money back. I've told the story plenty of times. Um, I was doing a professional development workshop on comics in the classroom. A school librarian from an elementary school came up to me and says, I have all these comics that somebody gave me. Most of them are inappropriate for um, children. Uh, Would you like them? I said, free comics. It was like three or four long boxes worth of comics. Um, Most of them were fairly within the last decade or so um, DC and Marvel, but there was the one box, and I swear they're like circulating like currency (laughs) through the system of 90s comics. How many copies of Deathmate? There were, I think, there was a copy of Deathmate Black and and one of the um, silver ones, either the epilogue or the prologue. Probably the probably Uh, the earlier ones because the later ones didn't really sell that well. (laughs) So that's what I've been pulling from. So I did not pay for this comic, but you're right. I probably should ask for my money back. Um, What I have got is War Dancer number four from Defiant Comics. Do, do you know where I remember Defiant from? Because I, I was working in comic book shops around this time. So I do you remember how Defiant got started? There was a Plasm number zero in an issue of previews. Uh, That's where I remember first seeing No, that. sir. <laughs> no. Well, there may have been an issue of Warrior Plasm in previews. That does sound familiar. But there was also... Warrior Plasm, I want to say number zero. I think this I, – I could have this wrong, guys. But, you know, first of all, Jim Shooter did Valiant, right? Then he was kind of ousted from Valiant. Went off, formed his yes. own company, Defiant, which was like, you know, mm-hmm. basically him flipping the bird. Thought he was building another Valiant. Didn't work out that way. Anyway, he started – Warriors of Plasm, my memory was the first thing I got was Warriors of Plasm number zero, which was a comic book you could read if you bought all the trading cards and put them in nine-pocket loaders – and that would read that it would give you a page of the comic book, and so you actually had to put them in the loaders, and you could read the first issue of the comic on the cards. It was like the perfect melding <laughs> of two fandoms from the '90s that were oversaturated: comic books and trading cards. Trading cards, and yeah. it was an abysmal failure. We had a very hard time selling anything from the Defiant line. Oh, it was it was bad mojo. I don't even yeah, I don't even remember this series. They were only around for about two years. Okay. Um, the first book was released in '93. They went out. They were out of business by 1995. Okay. All right. Um, founded it. Uh, War Dancer was one of what was one of the company's seven titles. Uh, in addition to a few one shots that they published, uh, this only lasted six issues. This particular comic came out on May 30th, 1994. It had a May 1994 cover date. Uh, the cover price is a whopping three dollars and twenty five cents, which I know is less than a comics today comic today, but back in nineteen ninety four was about one and a half times what you were paying. I think comics had finally gotten up to about the two dollar mark. Oh yeah, well Valiant was one ninety five pretty uh, pretty early yeah. on. Now this is now keep in mind this was a special forty eight page issue. This is true. This is so true. it's only forty seven it- pages too long. 
Yeah, it's it's four fifty in Canada. Eh? Uh, I also want but, to say when Tom asked me to do this, right? And he told me he was going to give me a horrible '90s comic. I thought to myself, I have read a shit ton of bad '90s comics. I have read so many bad '90s comics that how bad could this be? I'm like, you know what? Actually, I'll bet. You know, it's Jim Shooter. It's Alan Weiss. I bet by the end of this, I'm actually going to turn it around on Tom and tell him I enjoyed this thing. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yes. Um, and it, the funny thing is there was no lady death in this long box, so we're not going down that road. Um, but but uh, what I'm going to do is uh, what we usually do for comic reviews. I'm going to give a synopsis so Shag can kind of sit back for a little bit while I go through I'm this. I'm going to go make a sandwich. I'll be back. Okay. The cover is drawn by Alan Weiss. It features the title character, War Dancer, uh, which I think is a Tina Turner song. Um <laughs> Fighting with another... That was an easy joke. Fighting with another character, a guy who is in a t-shirt and wearing dog tags. Uh, there's no cover copy, uh, so I don't know who the other guy is. I did figure out later on that his uh, he is the star of another comic called Charlemagne because there's a house ad oh, really? in in the back of the book. Um, yeah, there's there's no ads for anything but other Defiant comics in this book. And, you know, uh, there's you know what that a, means? <laughs> they're not making any money. They're not making any money. <laughs> But yeah, there's a there's a an ad right before the associate editor's note uh, for a title called Charlemagne, and it looks like this guy with he's wearing dog tags, so I think it's the same guy. It's called Charles anyway. Smith one time, or Charles Charles Smith, uh, yeah. Charles Smith is one, Charles one Smith. word. Charles Smith is yeah. one word. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, again, maybe maybe the hardcore Defiant fans will like know all about this, and they'll write it. I'm sure they will in droves. All right, so here we go. Our creative team is as follows. Story by Alan Weiss and Jim Shooter. Written by Alan Weiss with Jim Shooter. Drawn by Dave Taylor. Inked by Keith Wilson. Painted by Tim Perkins, Brian Moyer, and David Hillman. Lettered by George Roberts and edited by Joseph A. James. The title of the story is called The Dancer Dreams. We open right outside of Madison Square Garden, where the war dancer is facing off against that guy in the cover. So at least the cover promised us what was in the issue. Oh, that's something. Uh, yeah, that happened. Um, a guy that he refers to as Charles Smith, who is Charles Smith, and I mentioned that he is, I think he's the star of another Defiant book called Charlemagne. And uh, like I said, there's an ad later in the comic book for that. Uh, they're standing on a big pile of rubble, and a crowd has gathered to watch because the fight between these two superpowered beings canceled the wrestling match they were scheduled to see. And you know, the Knicks were playing the Pacers in Indiana that night. The Stanley Cup Finals weren't going to start until the following night, if we're going by the um, release date of the comics. So believe it or not, that this could have actually happened on May 30th, 1994. My goodness. Because um, that was the garden schedule. Uh, anyway, I guess that's a compliment. So, <laughs> um, anyway... These two fight and they run after each other and they fight and they trade puns and they fight and I can't tell whether or not this Charles Smith guy is a good guy or a bad guy. I, I can't um, even tell if a word answer is a good guy or a bad guy. He's clearly yeah, the protagonist I, of the story. I don't I, know if he's good or bad. Yeah, so like, and, and he's basically wearing like Hawkman cosplay gone horribly wrong. Minus the wings. Because um, he's got like a helmet, a necklace with a charm in it, and pants. I mean, the only th way this could get worse is if assless chaps were involved. So there there you go. So they jump around some cars. They chase one another. There's this 
team of heroes watching. Uh, one is what looks like an older woman named Venus. It, she looks... Well, I think she's older because that's what, how she looks like she's drawn. And there's a guy on a stretcher named Thwack. Wait, wait, wait. And Let's a dude... A step. You called them heroes. I they're, they're, they look like super... Hero. They're professional oh, wrestlers, bro. You didn't, oh, they are they're, professional they're wrestlers. Profession- I've got the names. I've written all this out. I want to do this part. It, they're, well, this, okay. they're all professional wrestlers. Venus okay. Vegas is her name. She is the manager of Billy Ballistic. Now, not to be confused with other members of this wrestling group called Oversized, as you said, Thwack, Massacre, uh, or, the, uh, or the driver named Mercedes and her Ballistic Car. So I just had to get all that out because I took the okay. time to actually research and write this crap down. Okay, thank you. Because I, I seriously thought they were a team of heroes. I didn't realize that they were probably the wrestlers who were supposed to be fighting at the garden. and Or wrestlers. If we- uh, or wrestlers, yeah. Um, Mercedes, that's the chauffeur's yes. name. Yeah. Uh, Lady Blackhawk much? Well, that, and he calls her by a nickname of short version of Mercedes, which was like Mercy. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Like Lex Luthor's chauffeur named Mercy? Yeah. Hmm. Come on, shooter. Um, <laughs> Stealing ideas from someone else? That's so crazy. Yeah. All right. So Billy Billy Ballistic is the is the wrestler that and, and Mercedes kind of by extension is the wrestler we're gonna follow through uh through this issue because he's he shows up later on. And uh, he wears wrestling tights, you know, like like you would wear like if you were on the high school wrestling team. But the word bang is all over them. And he has a headband that says bang on it. Uh, and then, uh, so they're all interested in this fight, war, and War Dancer's part in it. And they decide to follow him and Charles Smith to kind of see what happens. Meanwhile, at an apartment on the east side, there's a bunch of Hollywood types and a celebrity who's pretty distracted. Uh, her name's Sally. She slips out of the party. She goes into the bathroom of the apartment. She gets undressed. She gets into the tub. And while she's in the middle of her bath, this mysterious woman who, like, nobody else can see walks into the bathroom and talks to her in mysterious ways about War Dancer. Apparently she has something to do with this. I only bring this up because it's an inner it's it's really like it also plots accounted for type of thing and this mystery woman um, does show up later in the issue. Put a, put a, put a pin in that one. We're going to come back to that bath scene. We're going to have a discussion about that in a minute. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will. But first, we're back to the fight. And this fight has now moved to the United Nations Plaza, which I think is like several blocks over and like 20 blocks up. Um, And these two are being all, hey, look, I'm a witty action hero with their dialogue. And they're trying really, really hard to make the action look cool, including one amazing six-panel sequence of War Dancer kicking T-shirt guy. Uh, That is the stupidest series of panels. And if you actually cut these panels out, maybe, and, and, and put stack them, they make kind of like... A flip book? I don't know what the hell this is. It is but the a kick- slow motion thing and it looks ridiculous. Yeah, the kick works uh, because War Dancer kicks the guy clear across the East River onto a garbage barge. So that fight's over and Charles Smith goes away. He 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 sort of shows up later in the issue, um, but it's during this weird dream sequence that we'll talk about in a minute. Anyway. Billy pulls up. Ward answer says that he's tired. Billy suggests going back to his place where, quote, the bullet babes can whip us up a snack and you can take a snooze if you like. Oh, my gosh. Bullet babes. And more on that later, too. So back at the garden, the crews are cleaning things up. This mystery woman, the one who was in the bathtub with the... Well, not. She wasn't in the bathtub. She was sitting on the side of the bathtub. She was in the bathroom with this Sally chick. 
she shows up. She inspects the damage. Um, she hears a huge sailor, like Lenny Small type, um, basically give a recap of what happened. And he uses the word engine at one point too. Be politically correct there, shoot. That's uh, oversized. Uh, I know Alan Weiss Overs- probably wrote the name of that guy, history. by the way. Yeah. Um, I just looked at him and I've read the dialogue and I'm like, you'll get to pet the rabbits, Lenny. It's okay. Right. Um, once Mystery Woman realizes that War Dancer is with Billy Ballistics, she says that she's closing in on him. We then cut to Billy Ballistics' east side penthouse apartment, and I really have to describe this because it takes up an entire page of the comic. So we have five people in the room. There's War Dancer, um, Billy, Fake Lady Blackhawk, um, two other women who are in various spandex outfits that say bang, 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 bang all over them. Billy's rug says bang. Uh, There's a bunch of rocket and missile paraphernalia out and in display cases. Um, There's an arrow... Like it looks like a fist arrow, but the fist is facing the wrong way. On the coffee table next to that is a copy of, of an issue of what I think is an issue of Plasm, and there are just enough of for you to notice posters of Captain America and the Avengers <sighs> on the wall behind them. Like I can't imagine the folks at Marvel were happy about that. <laughs> yeah, Ward answers impressed by none of this. By the way, he's just tired. He wants to go take a nap. So. Billy shows him to the guest room, and then he leaves Ward Answer to take a rest, which is okay, because, well, if I remember the programs that my friend used to tape off his illegal cable connection back in the early 1990s, Billy is going to pass the time by snorting a five-pound bag of cocaine and then having a four-way with the three other women in the uh, in the apartment. That's pretty likely. Yeah, War Dancer, on the other hand, enters this trippy dream state. It's the same one that Homer Simpson went into when he ate that crazy chili pepper and had a long talk with the space coyote voiced by Johnny Cash. And uh, what we get is some, like, ra- there's like a raven in a tuxedo. I don't even know what the hell's going on there. War Dancer with his former queen or lover or woman, whatever name, whose name is Zonri. I'm gonna, I think that's Z-A-H-N-R-H-E-E. Sonry, who is in her nearly nude Hawkwoman cosplay. Right. Seriously, it's like a National Geographic uh, pictorial there with the necklace <laughs> that has jewelry hanging over it. It just, it just barely covers her nipples. Anyway, um, she takes him on some sort of weird journey involving a fire dragon. She goes from being brown skin to white. I mean, the coloring of this book is just amazing. Uh, and then there's the destruction of the world, the Demigorgon group. Goopy stuff, an editor's in chief, an editor in chief's note by Jim Shooter that promises a company-wide event called Schism that features necklace boobs, lady, but it would never happen because the company would under before they could publish it. Uh, there's these purple guys called Nightwear Warriors. There's Nikki Taylor covered in. Uh magic shell and naked uh, vines they're being chased by your mom and a pack of rabid raccoons down a long hallway there's goopy yellow crap uh, a large black monolith Charles Smith a flambéed ex janitor with finger claws more trippy stuff involving his lover getting all gooped up and him getting up in front of his history class to give a presentation when he suddenly realizes he isn't wearing any clothes I think that covers just about every dream scenario uh, you could have had in the 90s but back in the real world Billy Ballistic and his women have all come and then crashed, and then the mystery woman from earlier is on the bed next to War Dancer, talking some nonsense about how life is on the threshold of its final destiny and she can't have him interfering. She would have really fit on in on the show Lost. Um, 
she kisses him and she leaves, skipping the scene uh, from my friend's early 1990s illegal cable that I thought we were going to see between the well, two. Well, she even says, I want you so badly or something like that. I know. It's just like... Um, so Ward Answer wakes up and he walks out into the living room, which probably has the pungent odor that comes with coke sweats and a flute and a furniture shattering orgy. God. He says some shit about dreams coming true, grants Billy Ballistic some wish, which is not another five pound bag of cocaine. It's basically the power to fly for real. Um, and uh, the next issue says, lead him not into temptation. Whatever the fuck that means, because I don't have another issue of this series to follow oh, up. Oh, man. This is 48 pages of pain. <laughs> and there's, like, text pieces. The, the, the letter... I, I don't know if your scan has the I've read the letters the... pages, which, like, people <laughs> freaking love this comic, and they go on about wrestling quite a bit, too. I was quite surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's, like, a Ed Polgardi, um is leaving the company as the associate editor to do something else, which it's like, you know, <laughs> good for you, Ed, because they're not going to be that around that much anymore. Got out before it sank. Oh my God. I mean, we don't even have like an American comics ad to break the, to, to break it up. A little bit <laughs> oh man. Where do we even oh, start? I will tell you, start I liked the coloring, even though there were some points that were off, it was painted coloring, which was kind of mm-hmm. like a hallmark. I, I want to say a valiant. So he carried it over here to define. I like the painted color. I like that. It was on better paper than Valiant. Um, I think sometimes Valiant's coloring did not serve that kind of matte. This this has glossy paper, okay. And um, Valiant had kind of the matte paper that you know, close to Baxter paper, and um, that didn't serve Valiant's coloring as well. Uh, it does look a little bit better here. Okay. Yeah, that does sort of like a Baxter paper does sort of. <laughs> except, yeah. except when his woman's skin tone is changing, because she seriously goes from being like she's. I think they're supposed to be Aztec, right? I, that is the sense you get. Yeah. Yeah, and so she goes from being ostensibly like Native uh, American Mexican Indigenous people of Mexico on one page to being like. Pale ash, like Irish white, you know. Now, like, is that when she's glowing, or is that just bad color? I can't tell. Oh, okay, so at some point she glows. I remember that much. Yeah. I, I am not going to bother to flip to the page because I don't care that much. Yeah. So maybe she, maybe she is glowing, and I just thought that the coloring was just shitty. But it was uh, the the whole Aztec thing. I mean, that took up like his his trippy peyote dream took up like half yeah. the book and. I stopped caring. I mean, I read it, but I really stopped caring once the dream. I mean, I, actually, I probably stopped caring earlier than that. But w- once the dream started, it got way too hippy-dippy bullcrap for me. I was just like, I, I don't even care if this is supposed to mean something at this point. I just want this to stop. Yeah. This is like alien resurrection levels of just straight. Oh, so bad. Now, during the dream, there was one thing that I you took you you took a piece out of it, but I thought the best thing uh-huh. out of the entire dream sequence was that Raven character. You know, uh, his name is apparently Raven Mad, which is a great name, M A D D, and I guess he is he lives in the land of the dreaming. So he lives in this sort of dreamland area. I thought he looked really, really cool, and he had kind of a cool, like uh, you know, mischievous personality because you know, in Indian mythology or Native American mythology, at least, um, the the Raven is the mischief god. He's a bit like Loki. 
And uh-huh. that's what I got the sense this was. And I was like, this is actually like, – I could have read a whole comic about the Raven. He was interesting. Yeah, that was – and he was only, what, half a page? But that was – or maybe a full page? Yeah. That's the only thing in the whole book that really caught my attention. Now, I suppose yeah, if they'd given him a whole issue, I, they would have found a way to really stink it up. But that one page was pretty interesting. I'm really lit- literally coming into this like having never heard of this character, never read any of this – and you're right. You, by the time I got, especially like by this point, even going back over it, I'm like, what is this guy? What the heck is going on with this guy? But they don't give enough to really make you care because they you spend they spend the next like half of the book. We're not even before the staple when he starts having the crazy trippy. So, so did Jim Shooter and Alan Weiss sit down and make a decision that you know this you know uh, vision quest was so important it deserved a 48 page story i don't like, know at what point did that seem like a good idea it seems like it was i bet instead it was more like hey we need to make some more money let's make it a double page issue charge a lot of money and we'll find a way to fill the pages that's what it feels like yeah and like so you've got this two page spread with these they're not scrolls but they're Clearly, like, you know, Marvel cosmic generic evil alien type things called Nightmare Warriors. The purple dudes with the green... Yeah, the purple dudes with the green fractal armor. Yeah, it's very... Fractal tech armor or whatever it's it's called. Total justice. Fractal tech gear, that's what it's called. Total Total justice. justice. Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, like, okay, I would have enjoyed a prolonged fight scene with them maybe but they dissolve like a page and then he lands on this like yellow planet it's kind of like there's something very green lantern about the next sequence where he lands on like a yellow planet and then gets eaten up with vines and stuff and another person comes along to save him but then it gets like really really goopy and really really weird now you say that would have been a more interesting story but given the story we're given i'm not sure this team had the ability to give us a more interesting story this is true so can we can we go back a bit and talk about other yeah, stuff go, besides go, the go trippy right dream? Ahead. Like how yeah. Charles Smith calls the war dancer Mr. Dancer throughout the book. Yes, Mr. Dancer. I don't the formality of that is just bizarre. Like the scripting in general in this thing is really weak. The script itself is really, really poor. Yeah. Because the verse the first line of the entire comic is Looks like you've already started destroying the world, haven't you, Mr. Dancer? You know, <sighs> if you read it in Ned Beatty's Otis voice. It's but bad. The dance of destruction has yet to begin, Charles Smith. In this humble arena, I have undone him, who was the greatest second threat to my mission. You, Charles Smith, are the greatest threat. <sighs> like, and honestly, I realized that Shooter, I don't know about Weiss, but I know that Shooter does operate when he writes on the whole, this could be somebody's first issue of the series right, principle, right. but there is so much dialogue in this entire book, but especially during this whole fight sequence between um, Charles Smith and War Dancer, where they, they like talk through the entire thing at one another. And not and and like in some cases it's like he's trying to like write Schwarzenegger in commando. Because they're trying to be like he like Charles Smith is trying to be like witty or something but in other cases it's just like bad flat dialogue or trying to explain something i (laughs) i i don't mind the it might be your first issue philosophy 
I just it, yeah. it, but like looking back at the dialogue you just quoted, that's poorly written dialogue. That's not just too explanative. It's just yeah. poorly written, and it, it's not paced very well either. Yeah. Well, I love speaking of pacing. That kick you talked about, I only bring it even though you already mentioned. I only bring it up because it's in my notes as well. That was insane. It's just out of nowhere. <laughs> this apparently kick was so important. It took six panels to show him moving very slowly, even though it probably happened very quickly. To the other guy, like, really? I don't care enough for that. I don't feel like there's enough to come out of that. And because it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, you turn the page, and panel seven is just this this wide shot of of his silhouette heading toward the barge, and then Ward answers his, hmm, "Your last assertion was wrong, Charles Smith. I am undeniably of noble birth." And then Charles Smith says, "Huh, nice shot. This barge is already too far down river for me to jump back." So I guess that's just their way of getting him out of the story because they don't necessarily need him, at least at this point. And then he comes back in the dream sequence to help out the word answer. Yeah, I know. Well, what? But he says, but I'll find you again and you'll be dancing to my tune. Oh, my like, gosh. Really? Really? Huh. So let's go back to this, this bathtub scene. Cause okay. It breaks, it, it breaks up the fight, too. Yeah. Not that like we're like clamoring for the fight, but it, it really just all of a sudden in the middle of this fight, it's like, okay, meanwhile, um, we've got this apartment where it looks like a band was um, and some people videotaping things. This this woman named Sally in a bathrobe, her agent, a bunch of people milling around. I can't tell if it's a party or No, no, no. What, what is goes. it? Sally is this woman who is like a down-on-her-luck actress, and now all of a sudden, because she had an yeah. interaction with Ward Answer, she's insanely popular. And so this is her team of like publicists and people helping her get her career on track, uh, okay. but they're staying at a, she's staying at a friend's apartment. It's all happened so suddenly. So I picked up on that. Um, uh, and, by, and we're about to get into something that's worthwhile here, too. They talk a lot about the word answer through people are talking about their encounters with the word answer. And every single conversation about the word answer, people are like, he's so powerful and I could feel his power and I could sense his power like it'll guide us to something like really <laughs> into this guy, which then leads us to the next scene. Please continue. She's kind of they're all kind of talking around her. Mm hmm. There's a bunch of people who do kind of – they know she's in the room, but it becomes one of those things where she's able to sneak out to the bathroom because, like, they're just kind of talking at her and around her and – Well, she's also the famous one. She can this. call the shots. If she says yeah. she's going to take a bath, yeah, they can't stop her. Yes, yeah, so she's like, she's like, you know, we got business here. She's like, put it on hold. I'm, I'm taking a bath, but I have these contracts. I'll just handle it, you know, like, whatever. So – so then she, she, she's again all this expositional dialogue where uh, and and like we're only a few pages like three or four pages in and it's just so much we get the typically badly worded New York accent here from her agent whoever this guy is you know don't take all day in there Sal hard copy hard copy if that's a 90s reference if there was any is on the line so basically you know the price of fame and blah 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 so she gets into the bath and then mystery woman walks in and i think she's supposed to be invisible to everybody in there well they it's like a doctor who perception filter they just all actively turn away from her it, like some mental suggestion they don't see it it's not that they don't see her it's just that they don't want to notice her it's kind of more like what it is okay all right she asks her about ward answer so she's searching for this guy and it's said in that he's – we get a little bit of background on this guy. He came out of nowhere. He was looking for his lost lover, Zonri, who was in the 
the dream sequence. Um, she doesn't know what letter to whose doorstep or whatever. Um, maybe that's implying that she's the reincarnation of her. Maybe, maybe. If I'm going with the Hawkman ripoff yeah. thing, I'm going um, somewhere else in this scene. Well, I discussed my friend's illegal cable box back in the early nineties. Yeah, so. that's okay. So that's um, what's going on here. So I'm just going to chime in with my bit here. So she's talking. The, the, the lady's asking her questions and is obviously mentally manipulating her because the girl's not bothered by this woman's presence in the bathtub, in the bathroom, I should say. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. the Sally girl is. In the bathtub, the bubbles are all the way up to her neck. You can't see her hands. You can see her legs are propped up. She has her eyes closed, and she's talking about the word answer with things like, uh, but God, I wish I were her, meaning his lover. I always dream that my prince would come, and oh boy, dot, dot, dot. That Aztec man looking god man is all prince, blah, blah, blah. Okay, right? She's just going on and on about him. Look at her eyes and look at her mouth. What, what does it look like she's doing in that bathtub? She is not master of her domain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what it appears is going on. I don't know whether that was intentional or it's just the words and the the, the drawing sync up in such a way, but that sure is how what looks like is happening there. Um, I pray he wasn't hurt. Yeah. um... Yeah, you see it. I know you do. Yeah, I'm seeing it too, and I'm just like, I don't know, because she she really is like fixated on this guy, mm-hmm. and the woman just kind of is like, thank you, and she leaves, and she never really gives her name. I don't think she gives her name through the entire issue. Don't know. And then there, everybody's like, oh, I didn't see anybody. Did you see anybody? She was in there for a little while because they were like, we thought you drowned. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, maybe yeah, she was having a little... Anyway, so uh, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the discussions later with uh, back at Ballistic's apartment with all the girls. Yeah. And, and he, he even comments on all the phallic symbols in the room. I'm glad they actually took the time to mention that. So, Yeah, I know. A shrink might say there was too, phallic, too much phallic symbolism for a healthy, growing boy, the bullets and missiles and all. And and he says like he's like, but I like him or whatever. And then Ward answer says yes, in keeping with the positive male solar projection of your life's oh path, my gosh. penetrating the vast, unpredictable womb of all creation. I think someone had some pent up sexual frustration when they wrote and drew this comic. <laughs> I think somebody was watching illegal cable. Could be. Um, <laughs> it could be. A little show t- showtime after dark about this era. <laughs> couple of manuel movies and you pull out your pencil and start drawing is that weird crap that they would import from canada (laughs) well tom i have exhausted my notes on this piece of shit (laughs) just i mean like just the the like so the just this this page here with this apartment i just i'm looking at like so um lady blackhawk aside um, the one girl is resting on what looks like a chaise. Yep. And she's she's wearing a pair of bike shorts and a bra. Just yeah, it's like a, it's like a strapless bra. There, the other girl is wearing bike shorts and a and a tank top, but she's like, it, she's not even sitting on the arm. It, she's supposed to look like she's sitting on the arm of the couch, but the way she is drawn. 
You remember Color Yes, she does look like she's just floating like, there, yeah. She's just kind of like been placed there or something. And they're both very, very Kelly Bundy. You know, I mean, I think that's the best way to describe the way these two women look. And, and you know, and, and Billy, Billy Ballistic is just this huge guy um, who really does look like, you know... <laughs> coked up porn star when he's not like being a professional wrestler right. and it's just it's it's this den of early 90s it is almost like an early 90s teenage fantasy of a teenager yeah yeah it's you a know, good way to like, look at it of, you know I was this is 94 so I would have been 17 so maybe a couple years prior to that like you know your your average 8th or ninth grader you know, who might have been watching a steady diet of the WWF <laughs> and maybe maybe reruns of Married with Children or sneaking downstairs and, and watching um or, or Skinamax friend's house of the Yeah, Skinamax or, or just or like I said, legal channels. Like my my friend had an illegal cable box and we would when I'd stay over at his place, you know, he had a tape of like the Playboy channel sure. that he taped off the box and stuff because this is the in the days prior to like I think the Playboy channel was about as racy as as, as the programming got I don't think the Spice channel or any of those things were, were around yet or at least weren't what he could get so then when I was younger but like yeah. but I mean just like that type of stuff so this is all like the kind of like weird sort of between childhood and adulthood pervy fantasy of a 15-year-old boy or a 14-year-old boy in the early 90s. Yeah, when I was a sophomore in high school, when I was a sophomore in high school, this is probably like, yeah, of what I want my want my apartment to look like. Yeah. So, I'm going to have all the cool posters, man. Yeah, I'm going to have babes all over the place and cool stuff that blows up and dude, it's going to yeah. be awesome. So, I But yeah, then we go into the dream and it's just apparently schism which is um, advertised using this Zen, Zendaya, Santana, or whatever his name is, uh, Zon, Zonary? I have no idea what you're talking about. His lover. Oh, the chick. Okay. Zonary, Zonary, right? So she is, if you look at the open, if you open up the, the comic, and then the inside cover is an ad for Schism, which was supposed to be kind of the defiant comic's version of Valiant's Unity crossover. Oh, that was so popular, too. Yeah. I don't have that ad um, in my version. Okay, this is the version I have. Yeah, so I don't know I don't know if it's a different uh, printing or what. Um, and then Shooter's got this, like, editors-in-chief kind of stand soapbox type of thing um, in the middle of it, and he talks about how there will be... Um, Apparently, he and Rob Liefeld are doing something together because that'll work right. out. Let's see, Defiant remains defiant of something. Some people heard the company might have that license the right to make Defiant trading cards postpone publication and infer that we were out of business. We even got a call from Wizard about it. No, we're doing fine. Wow. <laughs> They'd hang on for another year after this, though. I think, like I said, it was 95, mid-95. Plasm um, and schism. They love their isms. Yeah, they're going to do a CD-ROM Splatterball video game. <laughs> and yeah, Schism was the su first Super Saga crossover during July and August. It never actually got made. Um, most of these titles, this title would be canceled by July. They had two more issues left. Most of the titles were gone, and the company officially ceased publication by the, beginning, by the next year. So yeah, I don't think it just... But then again, the market crashed too. I mean, that that definitely didn't 
help their cause. Well, there's somebody somewhere with a long box full of these things go- who had thought that it was they were going to pay for their kids' college education. I'm so I, I feel so bad for that. I kind of to the point where I do kind of feel bad for that person. Because you flip through you flip through the the bins at a comic store, or you flip through them at like a show, and you still come across these things. Oh yeah, I mean the, I mean the nineties are what live in the fifty cent bins, the quarter bins. I mean, to ask Alan. I mean, there was a reason the quarter bin podcast yeah. covers so many nineties comics. <laughs> yeah, they're just there. I mean, and, and this just. But that's why it's a feat of strength. But like there are there are ads. There's just one ad, one ad after another for other titles. There was Dark Dominion, Prudence and Caution. Dark Dominion. The Warriors. Dark Dominion's the one I remember that actually sold. But mm-hmm. I remember the only other one I remember from this entire line was a Warriors of Plot. Sure, sure. That was the big, that was the one that yeah. launched it. Yeah. Yeah, and in the back there's a um, let's see, there's a the back cover has a five treasures from another universe. Um, you can order all of this limited edition comic collectibles merchandise oh from Defiant. Um, a Warriors of Plasm, Plasm limited edition pin set for fourteen ninety five. Mm. Um, a Defiant Genesis poster because putting Genesis on the name of something is always a good thing. Yeah, um, called In That Infinite Instant. It's a huge 24 by 18 poster featuring War Dancer. <laughs> it's a number limited edition. There were only a thousand produced. It was signed in ink by Alan Weiss and, and uh, Janet Jackson, not that one, <laughs> um, the colors, who who is who is like kind of uh, been had a very long working relationship with Jim Shooter, even post this. Um, he was she was helping run his blog for a while. Oh, wow. OK. Um, yeah, back around, this goes back years ago, but for a while he, he had his blog and I don't know if he was working on a book or or what, or, but he was posting just all, all these scans of old crap from like his days at Marvel's and stuff. And, and, and she was helping him run that blog. So she, I don't want to say she was like his publicist or assistant or something, but she definitely, they, they have a very close working relationship. I believe she, uh, uh, so and she she was a colorist at Marvel for I think she was editorial. As I definitely well. remember her name certainly. Yeah, and then you could get a Defiant T-shirt logo on the front and the back, a Defiant cap, black hat with the Defiant logo on it, and a watch. The logo's pretty sweet with that Only like you know Rook Castle kind of thing, but it's a cool yeah it is a cool logo. Um, it, it make it makes for a nice little corner box too. Yeah. I mean, I went to one of the Diamond Retailer Summits uh, about this time, and Defiant had a booth there, and Jim Shooter was mm-hmm. there. And you know, and you, as a retailer, you'd go in and he'd chat with you about this stuff. I don't, I don't know that I really spoke to him at any great length, but I mean, they had a presence. They were a significant, yeah, at least they gave the appearance of being a significant publisher at oh, the yeah. time. So, I got to tell you, your your stamina for this, you win the feats of strength. I got to tell you, because like <laughs> I ran out of steam on this book a while ago, and you're still going strong. So congratulations, sir. You yeah. you have won in these true feats of strength. I I did not read all the letters. I will tell you, I I'm looking at one from Stephen Begg from Weston, Ontario, Canada. He might be listening. It takes. It's on the very last page of the letters column. It takes up. Almost the entire page. Oh yeah. Granted, I think this is like it's a bigger point font than you're used to seeing because you remember. I mean, you and I both 
wrote letters into DC around yes, this we time. Did. And they were working off of like probably like an eight point font, right? It was it was not It was um, tiny. Large. Yeah, it was tiny. It was tiny. This is this is like First of all, this is like this is probably like 10, 10 or eleven point times in Roman or whatever they're using. Um, but at one point he says, "Billy Ballistic reminds me of a cross between two former world wrestling champions, Bob Backlund and the Ultimate Warrior." Oh, I miss the Ultimate Warrior. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just they're these really long letters. It's like you had so much space to fill in this book. I mean, the story ends. There are no page numbers. For fuck's sake. Going back to the letters page, like the last letter, like you said, the guy gives this whole huge paragraph of suggested names for the letter column. And rather than banter with the guy, they just wrote back, thanks, but we prefer letters to the editor. Like, really? If you're trying to build a fan base and you're going to name your War Dancer book, you know, uh, your, your letters page, every, every comic has a fun name for those letters page. Letters to the editor? Shouldn't it be like, you don't know, I don't know, a dance of letters or something? I mean, whatever. But just to be so dismissive of this guy that filled your whole page. It's like, <laughs> wow, dude, you could have said something else. Oh, well. Well, what cracks me up is that, okay, the story ends nine pages before the comic ends, right? I would, so argue, you I would have, argue the story ended 47 pages, but anyway. No, but I mean, te- technically, <laughs> I mean. technically the comic ends. And you have nine pages that includes the associate editor's note and the letters to the editor and like three or four ads. And then, so that's that's nine pages. And you've got, let's see, the the shooter thing is two, two more pages. That's 11. Um, you know, kill one of these ads and you essentially have a 36 page comic ah, dude by, by the way i just noticed another coloring error the the hot chick in the white version of uh billy ballistics bang outfit you know yeah uh, on the last page it's suddenly black her white outfit's now black for no apparent reason it was white a panel or two the page before but now it's black well okay i can no prize she wouldn't change clothes or war dancer did it after the orgy, right? Yeah. Well, but, the, the, but if you go back a page, it's still after the orgy. Like War Dancer walks out of the room. It's true because because Lady Blackpox. Um, that's true. Okay, yeah. So maybe maybe War Dancer she wanted she wanted Billy's. Maybe her wish to have was to have his outfit or something. That could know. be it. And I noticed that like he they're so surprised that he can fly. The other girl's not there in that final. Splash she died. Page, but to, Lady Black. She died of a drug overdose. They had to take her to the emergency room. <laughs> But Lady Blackhawk drops her cigarette. God, so, <laughs> such a bad comic. Oh my god! All right, I got I, I can't do this so anymore. No, we're, I think the feats of strength are over. So we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna go out with with this. Um, we want to go out on a positive. Note Thank goodness. As, as fun as we have with, with with bitching and moaning and and tearing apart a really shitty comic, um, it is the holidays. And uh, it is supposed to be kind of a time time of joy, or at least a time to just kind of relax a little bit before um, you know January starts up again, which is basically one long Monday. So what I've done in the last couple of years, I think it asked about uh, you know family traditions that mm-hmm. you have and uh, and things that you enjoy about the holidays. So uh, I'll, I'll once again, uh, why don't you uh, go first with this? I've got one that's sort of interesting. It's it's something that my family used to do. Um, Goodness gracious, uh, 80 years ago, I guess, or so, and then restarted recently, is uh, my father is one of eight children. Eight children. Could you imagine? 
My dad's one of five, but yeah. And this was during um, you know the 1940s. They didn't have a lot of money, uh-huh. and I, I'm pretty sure the the mother didn't work. I mean, I don't think she could. She was always pregnant, so they, they didn't have a ton of money. And so, you know, special treats weren't didn't happen all that often. So on holidays, what they would do is they would have this. Uh, they would get a can of fruit cocktail. You know, you can buy fruit cocktail in a can. Yeah. yeah, they'd get that. They'd put it in a bowl for the kids, and then they would add some like dessert wine to it, and that would be a treat. That would be a special treat for the kids. Huh. And they did that growing up, I guess, because it was you know you can get a can of fruit cocktail pretty cheap. And you got some wine laying around. So. Yeah. And then, and that just kind of went away as they all got older. Well, probably 15 years ago or so, my dad brought the tradition back. And he brought it back basically usually at like Thanksgiving. Usually when we do it, sometimes Thanksgiving and Christmas, Easter, those kind of holidays. And it, it's a symbol to remind us all the humble beginnings where our family started of times can always, times can be tough. Things could turn around and we could all be in dire straits. But Having this simple tradition of the fruit cocktail with the wine, you know, a very inexpensive thing that was supposed to be a special treat and remind us that family's important, spending time with family's important, and it can be something simple that can create a happy memory and bring us together as a family. And so we start the holiday meals uh, with that, and uh, it's it's kind of a neat tradition that I really enjoy, and I, I hope to continue it on. That's really cool. That's really, really nice. Um my my dad's family is very you know working class Long Island, you know as well, and and they had kind of little things like that of getting his thing was always putting he would put like toiletries in our stocking, okay. like you know, and it, he would joke he just wanted you to have something to open, but like the stocking was always like little things, mm-hmm. and like for years it was. We get a toothbrush every Christmas. So that was the, the running joke. But like you know, blank cassette tapes, and like <laughs> shit, and stuff like that. Um, the one thing that my dad, my dad would do, because uh, I come from a, I come from Sayville is a, for Long Island, it's a pretty small town on the South Shore, and um, it has a main street and it has plenty of local businesses. You have to get out to like the, um, the outskirts of the town to get to the kind of. Targets, that type of yeah. stuff. Um, Charlottesville's kind of the same way as well. There's a, you know, there's a downtown area. There's a ton of strip malls and stuff, and there's also, you know, whatever. Um, my dad would always like make a point to go around to some of the local stores and drop a fair amount of money there at Christmas. You know, whether it be whatever gift shop or something like that. And um, granted, a lot of times it was just buying crap that probably nobody needed, <laughs> but it was this sort of, you know, support a local business. And I always have, over the last few years, especially being down here, made a point to do something um, like that. Now, instead of buying a lot of crap that nobody really could use, like, you know, yet another, like, really, really fancy decorative plate or something, I tend to go with the food variety things. So, like, going to, like, local winery and brewery, picking up stuff, or uh, there's a very, very good local chocolatier around here, like, little things like that and making kind of like gift baskets for Amanda and Brett mm-hmm. of those things. Um, or like for like uh, this past weekend, I went down to the downtown mall and I went to, there's, there's a, uh, the time since you were here a few years yeah. ago, another comic store has opened up right on the downtown. Oh, mall. nice. Uh, it's called telegraph art, art and comics. And it's really interesting because Atlas, which is the store I took you to is a, classic almost like old school comic store that we are used to you know just rows of trades and 
and, and comics on the wall and everything. Can I add one quick aside just for the, the yeah. small world coincidence here? That shop, mm-hmm. and I think I told you this at the time or I found out later, that shop that you took me to, uh, I was digging through their old back issues and found some old comics with a different store's name printed on them. And it turns out the comic shop I worked at here in Florida, the owner used to have a shop in Charlottesville, Virginia, and it went out of business. And or, or I guess he sold it because he moved to Florida. And yeah. that old stock ended up in Atlas Comics shop. Is that is that the Fantasia? I think comics? that was the name of it. Yeah, the, it was. I had like an orange I, label. I, yes, it did. Yeah, so I'm yeah. sitting here looking at Very comics cool. that my old boss, who was my boss for like four years. He sold in Virginia, even though I worked for him in Florida. What a small cool. world. That's crazy. That is very cool. So this shop is um, – it's bright. It's its like there's this the, – the back wall has like this huge pop art Lichtenstein type of painting on it. Um, it's mostly trade. Okay. You know, there's, there's new issues. There's a wall of new issues. There's not a lot of back stock and stuff like that. It's also a much smaller store. But um, you know, their kid stuff is right up front. And so I, I, I went in there and I dropped – like 30 bucks on a couple of trades mostly uh, for Brett because again local yeah. store you know and and I went into another stop in here that, but so, the, so the, the tradition for me is like you know you know I, I drop a fair amount of money but instead of going to a big box store I try to support some of the local businesses in the area especially if I can find stuff that's kind of unique to them and, and for me and Amanda like we're getting to the age where like we don't need a ton mm-hmm. of stuff. The stuff that we really need in life is like is like major financial decisions right. type of stuff, like home renovation, yeah, new car, refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, the stuff that stuff that you would not go out and buy on your own. You'd, you'd sit down and you'd talk out and whatever. Um, and uh, so, like buying buying stuff that's like you know dinner or whatever is, is fun. So that's, that's kind of something that's become a tradition. Around that's here, nice. Really, really nice. Because, yeah. So supporting your local business when you can go Christmas shopping. Absolutely. So. Something that's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, the thing about the comic, you know, anyone listening to this is a comic book fan. So oh, think yeah. about the fact that every comic shop you've ever been into, maybe with the exception of one or two big chain ones, which aren't that many of them, was a local business. Not really. So you've been supporting a local yeah. business all these years, so expand that beyond comics and think of other local yeah. businesses. Support. Yeah. Especially when, like, you go... I've gone, I've gone to both places here and there over the years, and I have a pull list at, at Atlas, and every time I go in there, there's always somebody... There might be a guy with this kid or my kids in there, or there might be somebody new who's just kind of gone there because they saw a movie and they've, I've never once seen them be either ignore or be mean well, good. to a customer. Cause you hear stories. Absolutely. About and I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, because like, you know, the, they will say hello to you like the moment you walk in. And then in the other place I was there, it's brightly lit. It's, like vibrant colors, um, you know, little kids are always like looking through stuff and the parents are like, no, put that away. And they're like, no, that's okay. <laughs> and, and, um, and it's just, it's, it makes you want to drop some money there, which is, which is great too. So it's, and it's good then, you know, I feel very fortunate that I have two places because <laughs> Charlottesville's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it is. In some regard, you have to go about an hour to get to Richmond, um, which is where, um, one of, 
there's an Ollie's there, but I don't know where the hell it is. Oh goodness, it's worth the trip. Once they once yeah. they get the wave of trade paperbacks, it's worth the trip, man. Just bring your wallet, big yeah. time. I will, I will I will consider that. I think there's one up near my in laws too. So, all right. Anyway, so that'll do it. Uh, that is Festivus. We are we, we can put the aluminum pole away and and enjoy our our the next couple of days, which are Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Uh, and uh, if you've already celebrated Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. I hope you had a good one. Um, Shag, please tell everybody uh, where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at the Firewater Podcast Network, where we have a wide variety of shows on a lot of different topics that sort of brush against what we've been talking about here. Uh, I happen to be on a show about Aquaman and Firestorm. Yes, that is a thing. Uh, why those two together as a, on a podcast? I it's too long of a story to get into here. But uh, there I'm the local Firestorm guy, so I talk about him quite a bit. Also, I'm on a show about Who's Who, the definitive director of the DC Universe, where we go through every single issue. It's uh, what was it? shockingly one of our more popular shows. Uh, it's a great well, show. Uh, also on the Justice League International Bwahaha podcast, which is uh, my one of my passion projects because I love the JLI. They just It's a fun, fun book. Really enjoy doing that. And then I'm on a whole bunch of other shows, including Digest Cast and Hero Points, which is a role-playing show. And then beyond what I do, there's a whole bunch of other much more talented folks on the network who do shows about Star Wars and Star Trek and Bob Dylan and Cheers and MASH and, oh my gosh, Done in One Wonder Comics and uh, just a whole – I'm forgetting a whole bunch of stuff off the top of my head – billion different books uh a billion different podcasts i'm sorry and uh there's about eight of us in the network and it's just a really uh, great place for podcasting so when you're done listening to tom come over and visit us yeah um and speaking of cheers cast i recorded with Ryan. i'm so sorry um, i hope you've recovered and and uh within hopefully within the next month or two i can't remember when he said it would drop but uh just look out for an episode on um that guest stars me awesome. uh, for for Cheers Cast, yeah, because that was I love I love that show, so I'm hoping to be on more episodes, and I think I'll be able to weasel my way on uh, an episode of Mountain Comics with Rob. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go to beautiful Mount Airy Lodge, where all you have to bring is your love of everything. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, thank you again uh, for coming on. Thank you for having me on the um, show, Tom. I always love chatting yeah, with you. Was, this has been yeah, it's been a nice catharsis for me again. Find your joy yes. is what I'm typically at. So now I think I've purged everything I needed to from 2018. <laughs> I can move forward to 2019 and look forward to happiness. Uh, and speaking of 2019, um, I will be back at the beginning of February. I'm taking January off just to um, get some things in order. Uh, Hopefully, actually, write a few more episodes of In Country and get just kind of just kind of uh, restock some some stuff so that I can uh, build up toward episode 100, which will which will take place next year. Woo-hoo! So uh, I'll be back in the very very beginning of February with my next episode, which will be music oriented. But that's about a, as much as I'm going to reveal about that. And uh, until then, you can check out show notes for this, maybe a few scans of this god-awful comic on the blog over at popcultureaffidavit.com you can follow me on twitter at popaff that's p-o-p-a-f-f and as always thanks for listening and take care
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. All clips and media are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only, so no infringement is intended. Feedback can be sent via email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. For more content, including show notes, media, and essays, be sure to check out the blog, which can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can support all the Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com whenever you shop. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit, and come back next time for more pop culture randomness. It's got to be, I knew it from the start.